2: to the it is the exploited, it is exploited and
1: sensationalizing from a guy who exploits and sen- sensationalizes everything. <laughs> Are you talking really? to me? Yes, you're lucky that you're my friend. I'd knock you out right now. Well, that's we absolutely can we, can take, we can take this up later. am going to on here on I'm going to jiu uh, jitsu work of many historians who have spent their life working on research to show us that both sides of world conflicts have always been financed by the same people. And As I've said before, there seems to be a a method to the madness going on in the world. We cannot depend on our leaders. Our leaders are misleaders. There is a science that they're following. They have their own agenda and it doesn't include you.
2: And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First-time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home. Choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity, live and direct, right now on the tune in radio app search end of days and you'll find the 24 7 network go to michaeldeacon.com for your preferred choice of platform to hear the podcast rendition of this show tonight my first guest is jim fetzer he is a Professor of Philosophy at the University of Minnesota Duluth and has published extensively the philosophy of science. He has also conducted extensive research into the assassination of JFK, the events of 9-11. He is also the founder of Scholars for 9-11 Truth, as well as the host of the talk show The Raw Deal. Once again, thank you ladies and gentlemen for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again. On a night like this, hello to those listening once again out there on YouTube, on the TuneIn radio app, wherever you may be. Thank you for being here. I, of course, appreciate the efforts for showing up here on another very special Saturday night here. It seems like my guest is all ready to get the thing uh, going here. Let, let's give him a call. Oh, yes, he is ready. Let's bring on James. James, is that you?
1: I am here indeed, Michael.
2: What's going on, Jim? I I haven't talked to you in a while.
1: Well, the story that ought to be the number one trending story uh, on the Internet, uh, new angle on the Sandy Sandy Hook shooting hoax, uh, has been evidently suppressed by Google using its new algorithms. So the introduction of this whole fake news meme has served the establishment well because they can declare anything fake news. And instead of allowing the public to weigh and assess the evidence and arguments being presented, they can simply take it down. Uh, we've had now what appear to be hundreds of Sandy Hook videos that have been taken down. Right. Uh, they're letting ops just run wild with this. And when occasionally an article like this one gets out and it's too good, they just uh, suppress it, manipulate the algorithm. So most of the world doesn't even know it's out there. So it's a very clever situation that is indicative of our living in a modern high-tech tyranny. It's appalling, Michael, but this is where the United States is today.
2: It really is. And before we even get into any of that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Jim, for those who are just tuning in now?
1: Well, sure. Sure, Michael. We can can keep
2: it brief. It's okay. There's a lot. There's so much to cover. I, I just... I'm overwhelmed. I was
1: was commissioned in the Marine Corps at graduation from Princeton. I resigned my commission as a captain to earn a PhD in the history of philosophy of science. I served 35 years as a professor uh, in a wide range of colleges and universities, uh, principally offering courses in logic, critical thinking, and scientific reasoning. Since my retirement in 2006, I've been focusing on dissecting politically loaded events to determine whether they're bona fide or not. Uh, I had already published three books about JFK before my retirement and one about Paul Wellstone. Soon I would publish another about 9-11. But now I have books about Sandy Hook, uh, the Boston bombing, uh, uh, 9-11, uh, uh, another book on JFK, where I bring together the best experts in the field. For example, in relation to my Sandy Hook book, one of my contributors had published 80 articles before I put together Nobody Died at Sandy Hook. I myself had published 30 and when I, the book first came out on Amazon.com, it was published with CreateSpace, a subsidiary of Amazon. On, uh, 22 October 2015, it had sold nearly 500 copies when it was banned by Amazon on 19 November. After a very odd event had occurred a few days earlier, I was contacted by someone claiming to represent first edition, you know, a TV program that claimed they wanted to review our findings on Sandy Hook, but they had to do a pre-interview first. And then I found myself in what I'm now convinced was a basement operation at Langley being grilled by a professional interrogator. Is that the best you got? You know, what do you got? Is that the best you got? that the best you got? And apparently it was too good. And the decision to ban came immediately thereafter. I was going on uh, the air with Jeff Frenz that evening, and I realized this was so political that I would never get it out. So I decided to release it for free as a PDF. You can still find it today. Just do a search on nobody died at Sandy Hook. And there are 13 contributors, including six current or retired college professors. We determined the school had been closed by 2008. It was loaded with asbestos and other biohazards. You can actually tell from photographs of the parking lot that day because it's not compliant with American for Disability Act requirements, doesn't have the familiar blue and white painted parking spaces, blue and white signage, which means it couldn't have even been legally operating as a school. We happened to obtain a copy of the FEMA drill for the event. That's, of course, a government document. It was online and it was discovered. We have over 100 photographs taken by the Connecticut State Police who were running the drill. They had 50 of them furnishing an empty house to be the Adam Lanza home, another 50 of them refurbishing the school. Yes,
2: and by by the way, Jim, that PDF is very, very easy to find. You could just Google it; it's right there.
1: That's right. That's right. Very easy to find and download. And you'll see what's caused all the commotion. This really, I think, has led them to strengthen their modes of suppression of research. I mean, look, the only way you can decide what's true and what's false is through rational debate, looking at all the evidence on both sides. And what they're doing now is systematically suppressing any. Views that are divergent with or present evidence contrary to the official account the government is promoting. So well, yes. we're truly, we're truly in a disgusting situation, Michael. I mean, this is right. totally un-American, un-demo- undemocratic and a violation of freedom of speech, freedom of inquiry. They get away with it because they do private companies.
2: Yes. And, you know, I'm very glad you took us down this route because I didn't know exactly where to begin. But since we're on this topic, me and you both have been facing issues with YouTube. And just recently, one of uh my first interview with you was flagged. And, yeah. uh, of course, it was because of the Sandy Hook stuff.
1: Well, it could have been any number of things, but probably Sandy Hook. Right? I have a I mean, feeling. Look, I just have look. a feeling. Some of the best students of Sandy Hook, like uh, Mary Satoro, who outed David Wheeler, as playing two roles that day. One is a grieving father. The other is a SWAT team member where he was walking up and down in a uniform carrying a weapon upside down by the magazine, where his wife Francine and he are both B-grade actors, where they were flown down to Washington, D.C. by Obama, uh in order for her to give a, a a a poignant speech about gun control from the oval office except that she is actually a former assistant to the Democratic Party's uh, f- finance chair chairwoman by the name of White I mean this whole thing was a contrived event uh, Obama was deeply involved Eric Holder was involved the governor of uh, Connecticut was at least played along in fact when Sandy Hook took place, and he gave a speech, a talk to the public, to the press. He said that he and the lieutenant governor had been spoken to that something like this might happen, leaving only two alternatives. They'd either been warned something like this was going to happen, in which case he ought to have issued a warning to the public schools in Connecticut to elevate their security. So it not happened, which he did not do. Or that he'd been apprised, they were going to take an abandoned school, conduct a drill, and present it as a live event to promote gun control, which is exactly what happened. And by whom? Well, it turns out that Eric Holder was in Connecticut on uh, the 27th of November, just a couple of weeks before, to discuss the Obama administration gun control agenda. So clearly he is the party by whom? Well, we even have video of Eric Holder in 1995 addressing a Democratic Women's National Democratic Women's Conference in Washington DC explained we've got, this is his word, brainwash. The public have a different view about guns and this appears to have been part of the brainwashing procedure. Paul Preston, who's a superintendent of schools from the Los Angeles area who'd actually supervised a lot of drills in the past thought things didn't look right at Sandy Hook. So he reached out to his contacts in the department, Obama Department of Education, each of whom confirmed to him that it had been a drill, that no children had died, and that it was done to promote gun control. This is all in the book. You even got the FEMA manual for it's all day there. Advantage. Yes. I mean, it's embarrassing that anyone has any doubt about it. And then we get a whole new angle like this one where, uh, Carl Herman picked up on the fact that the women seem to be unusually old, that their average age at giving birth was uh, 36, when uh, across the country the average age is 26. That meant there was like a 10-year discrepancy in the average age for mothers giving birth to first children. And when he calculated the odds against it, he came up with a staggering figure 109 quintillion, 418 quadrillion, 989 trillion, 131 billion, 512 million, to 1. Right. I mean, it's staggering. And the fact is, this is so sensational and such an original approach. And it's indisputable because the ages of these women are a matter of public record. They can't change their age. That it should be the number one uh, story trending across the country, but because of the use of these suppression algorithms, Google is ensuring that doesn't happen.
2: Oh, yes, and YouTube habitually became a thorn in my backside as well as yours. And
1: yeah. It's Barry, just- Barry Satoro has been taken down. Uh, Red Silver Jay has been taken down. PK Truth has been taken down. I've had a host of videos. I, I mean, from day to day, I don't know what's going to still be up there. It appears that uh, Lenny Posner, whose real name is unknown but may be Leonard P. Osner, O-Z-N-E-R, mm. where he ran his middle initial together with his last name, who incidentally did not show up for the first three pretrial hearings in a suit he brought against Wolfgang Halbig for mm, harassment, yes. right. which led to Halbig being awarded discovery, the right of discovery. And now Posner is resisting and not providing discovery, which is telling all by itself. But he is the, the guy behind the scenes who have been doing the most to harass and uh, take down, you know, websites devoted to research on Sandy Hook. I mean, this is completely despicable. There's another guy named C.W. Wade who's very much in the same category. I mean, these people are a disgrace to humanity. I mean, they are they, doing work behind the scenes. We have to remember that, you know, these big companies like uh, Facebook and YouTube and Google – are really deep in the trenches with the intelligence agencies. Oh, yes.
2: I I was just about to mention that to you, of course. YouTube, they are very much compliant with this agenda. And, of course, Amazon, they're basically the same thing, as you well know, who the owner of Amazon is.
1: Yeah, Jeff Bezos. There uh, you go. Who, who was given a $600 million contract with the CIA to do Internet activity for it. They're and selling our information. allowed him yes. to buy the Washington Post, Michael. Uh, they're they're selling has, our
2: information, Jim, and, and they're getting away with it.
1: Well, they're getting away with it. I know it's completely outrageous. I can't it? believe it. Uh, well, the situation is this. Because they're private companies, it looks as though you can't ex- extend a reach to them because they have the right in terms of their terms of – uh uh, you know, agreement with those who participate in their services uh, that gives them virtually, uh, complete control. But I believe I have found an angle here, which is the following. The Sandy Hook was an elaborate charade. It was used to dupe sympathetic but gullible Americans out of millions of dollars. In fact, we estimate that the donations to the 26 families have run between 28 and 130 million dollars. That means each of these families have made over a million dollars apiece based upon an elaborate hoax. No children died there. The school wasn't even open, but that means that by suppressing these videos, uh, YouTube, for example, or, or Amazon.com by banning my book, have have become accessories after the fact to uh, uh, fraud and theft by deception, and I believe that this may give a legal angle, a foundation for an approach for a lawsuit the likes of which the country may have never seen before.
2: Oh yes, you can't talk about any of this any of these things without facing scrutiny. Of course, you can't talk about 9/11. You can't talk about Sandy Hook. You can't talk about the Jewish mafia. It's clearly outrageous. It's, 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 it's-
1: yeah, it's obscene. It's completely obscene. Americans are being deprived of one of their most fundamental rights, which is a freedom of speech. I mean, if you don't have the right to criticize your government, being an American means nothing, absolutely nothing at all. I agree. And when you discover that, you know, JFK, we were fed a completely phony story that there were at least six or seven shooters. I've been able to identify most of them. Uh, that Lee Oswald was framed, he was a complete patsy, he had uh, not quite nothing to do with it, but he was actually in the doorway of the book depository when the motorcade passed by, which means not only can he not have been the lone demented shooter, he cannot have even been one of the gunmen. Or with regard to 9-11, I mean, anyone who today still believes that 11 Islamic terrorists created all these atrocities simply doesn't understand the evidence. Two of the planes, for example, weren't even in the air that day. Eleven, wait wait, wait,
2: wait, wait, Jimmy. you're you're telling me that these these terrorists didn't go in there with just butter knives?
1: <laughs> Box cutters, I know. How stupid is this? The same How thing, stupid. yeah. How stupid is this? <laughs> You know that Philip Zelikow, who was executive director of the 9/11 Commission had the area of academic specialization before he entered the government of the creation and maintenance of public myths, M-Y-T-H-S, that he had completed a draft of the 9-11 commission report a year before he even shared it with the staff. I mean, if I had to finger a guy who I think, you know, wrote the screenplay for 9-11, it's Philip Zelikow. Two of the planes weren't even in the air that day, 11 North Tower, 77 the Pentagon. Two of the others, 93 Shanksville, Pilots for 9-11 Truth was able to establish, based upon a study of air-ground communication, that Flight 93 was over Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, after it had reportedly crashed in Pennsylvania, and that Flight 175, similarly, was over Harrisburg and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, long after it had officially hit the South Tower. In fact, the aircraft used for those two flights, and remember the same plane can be used for many different flights, maybe today Atlanta Chicago, maybe tomorrow Chicago to Las Vegas, whatever. The planes that were used for those two flights were not even taken out of service by the FAA until 28 September 2005. So how can planes that weren't even in the air have crashed on 9-11, and how can planes that crashed on 9-11 have still been in the air four years later? Half a dozen of those uh, Islamic terrorists turned up alive and well the following day, making contact with British media, which David Ray Griffin, the dean of 9-11 studies, made the very first point in his magisterial work, the 9-11 Commission Report Omissions and Distortions. I mean... Michael, it's just astonishing how much we know and how blatantly the government lies to us.
2: And and, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about that in in a minute here, but I did want to start off with something that just happened just recently right now, uh, involving Eric Bowling. Did did you happen to see that he is now suspended from uh, Fox News amid a lewd texting scandal? Uh, Apparently he was out there. Uh, texting his genitalia to other co-workers.
1: He was an, he, he, he was an Anthony Weiner? Uh, apparently. He was he a Weiner distributor like a, Anthony? A, I mean, this is ridiculous. This is
2: breaking out everywhere. This is all over the place now. And uh, I mean, I
1: wonder if it's authentic. You know, it's very easy to fake True.
2: It is. It is. But it seems like everyone at Fox News has, Bill, has been taking these hits. Uh, uh we had Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, see,
1: there's a, well, that's something about the fact that the government has been conducting this massive surveillance since 2001. Remember, when Michael Hayden came out and announced we had this uh total in, uh, information awareness, which sounded so draconian that they revised right. it to terrorist information awareness. But you can't know who the terrorists are unless you survey everyone and but, then but, sort it out. Yeah, so but, that was a cover. That was a camouflage. That right. was a fig leaf. Let's, well, say he,
2: virtue, let's just say he did do this. And, and just a precursor and warning to those out there, if they want to get involved with a coworker, just keep in mind it's it's a very bad idea. You don't want to do that. So
1: Michael, yes, yeah, yeah, the point I'm making is they know everything about everybody. So if they, oh, well, if of they course. want to embarrass somebody, they, they can, can just look yeah. at their massive oh, records yes. and figure out how to do it. Just go I back mean, to Fox News has mm-hmm. been under assault because Fox News alone has been standing with Trump and giving them a reasonably equitable, fair and balanced treatment. I mean, ironically, that's their slogan. But actually, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, even Bill O'Reilly, before he got sacked, were actually doing it to a far greater degree than any other network, particularly CNN, which is CIA 24-7, and MSNBC, which is the light version of CNN.
2: Yes, and, and Amazon, going back to Amazon, they they already have a dossier on all of us, if you shopped there. So it's very easy to ruin someone's life. But the thing I'm just throwing out there is, um, because I've talked about this so many times on the show, if you're out there texting photos of yourself that you don't want others to see, you probably shouldn't be doing it. That's uh, all.
1: Michael, you can't put anything on the Internet and oh, assume no. it's going to remain private. Jesus, it's just a blunder, no. a blunder in this day and age. Nothing is private. There is no more private. you got to
2: be very, very careful.
1: It's reached the extent that you have treason going on in the administration by revealing the conversations the president's having with the presidents of other countries. I mean, this is truly uh, a travesty because it, it, it nullifies the president's ability to have confidential conversation with other world leaders and, frankly, It's a threat to the national security of the United States that is taking place. But in their eagerness to smear Trump, particularly for, you know, the non-existent Russian hacking, where we know that uh, John Podesta and Robbie Book made up the whole Russian hacking meme within 24 hours of Hillary's concession speech in order to distract attention from the woeful inadequacies of her campaign and from the contents of the WikiLeaks emails, which led to the whole Pizzagate revelations, which I, I certainly hope are eventually going to come to fruition, because it represents the greatest scandal in the history of the United States. They were very successful in, in manipulating that meme. You had the Washington Post pick up on this heretofore non-existent website called Proper Not, with his phony Russian dossier, which had completely fabricated story of Trump hiring a couple of prostitutes to pee on a bed Obama had slapped in. Jesus, yes. I, I, this is all completely ridiculous. There was no Russian hacking. We know that the actually the emails went from uh, Seth Rich, who was the IT guy for the DNC, being had been a Bernie Sanders supporter, who was disillusioned by the sabotaging of Bernie Sanders' campaign, where as many as 13 primaries that Bernie actually won were given to Hillary by Debbie Wasserman Schultz, that he actually made contact with WikiLeaks and transmitted a whole treasure trove to WikiLeaks, Notice that of all of the emails that Julian Assange has released, the authenticity of not even one has ever been challenged. Not even one.
2: Yes, and I'm glad you mentioned the Seth uh, Rich murder. Uh, there is another uh, article here. There's another lawsuit against Fox News claiming that they manufactured the the story to distract from the whole Russia investigation.
1: Yeah, but that was uh that, that, that was a completely frivolous suit. It had no basis, in fact, whatsoever. It was bought by this allegedly by this Rod Wheeler, was a PI yeah. hired who by the family. Guy? But 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 we have other videos where he contradicted what he said in the lawsuit. He's got no standing there. I don't know how he was manipulated into concocting that, but it's already been debunked. Was he just after money? Uh, I, I can't tell you exactly what happened here, but I can tell you this. Mm-hmm. We have a report from a fourth-year medical residence at Washington Hospital Center last sure. year uh, who reported Seth Rich was shot twice with three total gunshot wounds, entry and exit and entry. He was taken to the OR emergently where we performed an X-lap. And found a small injury to segment three of the liver, which was packed on several small bowel injuries, pretty common for gunshots in the back, exiting the abdomen, which we resected about 20, about 12 centimeters of bowel and left him in discontinuity. He didn't hook everything back up with the intent of performing a washout in the morning. He did not have any major vascular injuries otherwise. I've seen dozens of worse cases than, uh, than this, which survived and nothing about his injuries suggested to me that he sustained a fatal wound. In the meantime, he was transferred to the ICU and transfused two units of blood when his post-surgery crit came back at about 20. He was stable and not on any pressers, and it seemed pretty routine. About eight hours after he arrived, we were swarmed by LEOs, law enforcement officers, and pretty much uh, everyone except the attending and a few nurses were kicked out of the ICU. Disallowing visiting hours, normally every odd hour, is something we do routinely. It was weird as hell. At turnover that morning, we were instructed not to round on the VIP that came in last night. That's exactly what the attending said. And no one except for me and another resident had any idea who he was talking about. No one here was allowed to see Seth except for my attending when he died. No code was called. I rounded on a patients literally next door but was physically blocked from checking in on him. I've never seen anything like it before. And while I can't say 100% that he was allowed to die, I don't understand why he was treated like that. Take it how you may. I'm just one low-level doc. Something's fishy, though, that's for sure. And all of this is tied into this huge scandal uh, with a DNC. And this, uh, Imran Awan and Debbie Wasserman Schultz with this Awan and his, uh, two brothers and one of their wives were being paid millions of dollars for IT work that the average IT on Capitol Hill is paid between 40 and 60 grand for. I mean, the scandal is growing. It is huge. Well, Wasserman Schultz is going to go down over this when Congressman has said this is the biggest scandal in the last 30 years. And right now, of course, Congress is in adjournment, but I'm telling you, this is a hot potato.
2: Yes, I have no clue what's going to happen. And again, this has actually been very uh, entertaining in terms of uh, politics. It hasn't really been this entertaining in a very long time, I must say.
1: Well, that's, that's true. It, it is entertaining, but it's also such a threat to it the really nation. It really is. Right. I mean, it, 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 it's a, see, the Millennium Report, which also published this latest about, uh, you know, a new angle on the Sandy, the Sandy Hook shooting homes mm-hmm. has published a black, a black op operation that used Pakistan's ISI to do the dirty work. I have a friend who has told me that actually this, these people appear to be Mossad assets. So that it looks as though this is another Mossad op and that, you know, it's being run to delegitimize the Trump administration. I mean, this this guy had access the e- email of about 150 members of Congress, possibly more, maybe even all of them. Debbie Wasserman Schultz was treating him like a very, very special person. I don't know if they had a, a personal relationship, but I'll tell you, everything about him is very peculiar. He was actually finally arrested, seeking to flee the country. He was arrested at the airport, and only then did Debbie Wasserman Schultz fire him. He'd actually already been fired by the other congressmen who'd been using him as much as months before. But Debbie hung onto him, in, you know, in a very bizarre fashion. We've got Roger Stone reporting. Seth Rich was parting with Imran Awan the night before his murder. I've got a photograph. I'm looking at it right here of eight IT guys together that night. Seth is in the front on a stool with his arms holding, standing behind him are these seven others. From the right, there's a black guy, Then behind him a white guy, and then this guy Imran Awan is there. So, you mm-hmm. know, some believe that it was Imran Awan who actually shot Seth Rich. I would not be surprised. And uh, it, it looks very much that Rod Wheeler is now lying about the murder, Cy Hirsch even has got involved in this, which is very, very good because of his prominence as a journalist. He now has confirmed that Seth Rich was the source of WikiLeaks, where Julian Assange really telegraphed as much by offering a $20,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of whoever had killed Seth Rich. Now we know, of course, it didn't happen in the street. In fact, apparently he didn't even realize he'd been shot. But at Washington, uh, you know, center. I mean, it's unbelievable, Michael. What's going on? We are living in a virtually lawless society right now. And there's lots
2: of lots of people who can't even listen or uh, read any kind of news without being overwhelmed uh, mentally, and it just shuts some people down. They they can't they can't handle it.
1: I know. Look. I, ha- I have, I uh, have, uh, uh, friends, very close friends, one who was my closest friend for 20 years. He's mm-hmm. a professional philosopher, very competent as a philosopher who, who won't even talk to me about Sandy Hook or the Boston bombing or. Really?
2: He, t- yeah. he tunes out or what's going on yeah, there?
1: Let, let, let me give you an illustration of what happened here. Sure. Uh, Mike Palachak, who's a wonderful guy, a real uh, bit of Americana, he writes these very folksy books. He's yes. got about 20 of them now. Mm-hmm. Decided uh, that uh, Kevin Barrett and I, who'd done a lot of things together, we used to have a radio show called The Dynamic Duo on GCN, where I did Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Kevin did Monday, Friday for a year and a half. We did a false flag weekly news thing for about a year and a half. we have done a lot of things together. Uh, I involved him when I organized a 9-11 conference in Madison in 2007. I flew him to England for a conference at Friends House on debunking the war on terror in 2010. I flew him up to Vancouver to be a participant in the Vancouver hearings held there in 2012. Uh, uh, Mike Palachuk thought we were worthy examples of the effort to hold the government to account. So he, or he, he put together a book about us, and in the process wrote to, you know, friends and acquaintances of Long standing. When he wrote to this particular friend of mine, he declined, saying, uh, you know, he thought I was a great guy and a terrific philosopher of science, but he didn't want to be associated with my conspiracy theories. Oh, well, it's pathetic. He threw I mean, you under you the know, bus. Michael Moore said, when asked whether he believed in conspiracy theories, only those that are true. And, of course, that's exactly right, which is why I've done all this collaborative research. I bring together the best experts in different fields in areas where I myself am not expert. In the case of JFK, for example, my first three books, which were published in – uh 1998, 2000, and 2003, which shattered the cover-up and exposed what had really happened to JFK, included a world authority on the human brain who was also an expert on wound ballistics, a PhD in physics, who was also an MD and board-certified in radiation oncology, which is a treatment of cancer using Mm -hmm. x-ray therapy, so he's an expert in the interpretation of x-rays, a physician who'd been in trauma room number one when JFK's moribund body was brought in, and then two days later was responsible for the care and treatment of his alleged assassin, a a legendary photo and film analyst, another PhD in physics, this time an expert in electromagnetism, the properties of light and of images of moving objects, who did brilliant work on the internal features of the Zapruder film that showed that it was a reconstruction out of original materials with massive deletions and revisions which we've been able to establish. In fact, a third of these three books is entitled The Great Zapruder Film Hoax, where, you know, documented over 500 pages. Now I have a brand-new book about JFK, Who, How, and Why, with like 15 contributors. you got 486 frames of the 487 of the Zapruder film there. The book is available in both black and white and color. But I bring in, you know, experts on all these different fields in the Sandy Hook book. I already mentioned there were 13 contributors, six of whom current or retired PhD college professors. I, I did similarly with uh, Boston bombing and uh, on these other books on yeah. uh, Ameri- America nuked on 9-11.
2: Yeah. And that's, I that's mean, something, you know, I, I really have a deep respect for you, uh, for you, you've done an extensive amount of research into all these subjects. You've certainly done your, done your homework and. You know, I was about to mention um one more time with with Fox News. You actually have been there yourself and you've talked to uh Hannity and Combs and you did a fantastic job with that. I thought you did um good handling both of those uh powerful characters there.
1: Well, the first interview was actually fascinating because they called me, and I was out in Los Angeles. Alex Jones had organized this American Scholars Conference at the end of June, and he'd invited me to be the keynote speaker. And as I was heading toward the hotel, I got a phone call in my cab from the producers saying that uh, you know they, they, they wanted to have me on to talk about my research on 9-11 and to let me know that uh, Ollie North would be sitting in for Sean Hannity. So I called my wife and I said, honey, listen to this. You know, it's just going to be a conversation between two former Marine Corps officers, it's going to be real casual. And she said, don't kid yourself, she said. They're uh, going to try to kill you. They did. They did. So, so, you so stood your what, ground. when I was in the waiting room, you see, I had them bring in a TV so I could see how it was being pitched. Ah. And, and when I heard Alan Combs say, you're not going to believe what your your children are being taught by their professors, I knew the angle they were taking and I also knew they didn't know enough to get it right. They thought I had a course on 9-11. That was untrue. Right. But I did talk about 9-11 all the time in terms of a course in critical thinking where I took lots of examples, you know, like getting into the Iraq war, for example, or the assassination of JFK for another, you know, real life issues, giving the evidence for the, to enable them to sort out the difference between the Stories we were given by the government and the truth. And in this instance, when Alan Holmes opened by asking me if this is a required course, I explained, you know, that I didn't have such a course that I'd founded a research organization, but I thought it was a great idea because there was a lot of material. And I, just, I just took control of <laughs> yeah, the show. I you mean, really, they were in shock. Oh, was I,
2: I was, you know, I was, I was just about to say, um, they were dumbfounded by
1: you. They were, they were. It was
2: awesome. Were. It was awesome. I loved it.
1: Ollie North wasn't back on TV for four four years, or it was absolutely embarrassing because he he, he <laughs> came in and said, "Now, professor," he said, "Didn't you tell our uh. producer that you had a course on 9/11?" I said, "No, no, I didn't tell him that." I said, "I, you know, I I, I did discuss it in course on critical thinking, but I have no such course." And he asked it, you know, was there any such course?" I explained, "No, you know, to the best of my knowledge, no one had such a course." But Reiterated it was a great idea. And all he said, well, y- do you have any evidence that, you know, or, or it may have been Combs now, you know, that anyone was involved, such as Dick Cheney, for example, which was perfect. He just set it up. And I began <laughs> yes. relating the Norman Mineta testimony about how he'd been in this underground bunker beneath underground the White bunker. House mm-hmm. when this aide came up to Cheney and said, sure, it's 50 miles out. Sure, it's 40 miles out. Sure, it's 30 miles out. Sir, sure, do the orders still stand? And Cheney stood up and whipped his neck around and said, of course the orders still stand. Have you heard anything to the contrary? Mineta didn't know what he was talking about, but it was a plane that was approaching the Pentagon. And, And Cheney had given the orders that it must not be shot down, which is peculiar on its face, because according to the official story, these planes were being used as weapons. If you shoot down the plane, yes, you lose the plane, the passengers, but you preserve the personnel and the property at the target. And in fact, what actually was going on here, this plane was brought in to fly toward the Pentagon and then swerve over it at the same time. An explosion took place in the building. So people would have the false impression, well, here's the plane and there's the explosion, so the plane must have hit the building. But it's very evident this plane, in fact, flew over the building, didn't hit the building. No plane hit the building. It does appear that a Global Hawk, which is an unmanned aerial vehicle, fired a missile into the building And, in fact, you can find it in the one frame released by the Pentagon of the five frames, one that's conveniently Mm -hmm. labeled plane, Michael. And you see the silhouette of an aircraft. You can see the tail. You can see a white plume coming out. Well, pilots and aeronautical engineers explained to me that 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 can't be the exhaust of a jet because it would be black, but it could be the plume of a missile. I had Jack White, this legendary photo and film analyst from JFK, uh introduce a, a, a scale, an image of a Boeing 757 to the same scale as the tail. It was about twice as large as the plane in the image, which meant the government's own evidence refuted the government's own theory. And where Dennis Camino put the pieces together to discern that it was in fact a, a global hawk, which is made out of fiberglass and had fired a missile into the building. We've done interviews about it. Dennis is now missing in action and I'm very worried that he may have been taken out. I mean, this is uh, serious, serious stuff. So he's MIA. He is r- not only MIA, all my emails to him, which have been routine, have been bouncing since Wednesday. Mm. I mean, I had him on my show Tuesday, you see, and wow. Dennis is very forceful and uncompromising about, you know, who is responsible and why. And th- there are certain groups, uh, representing our uh, great ally in the Middle East who aren't happy about his uh, targeting uh, Israel and the Mossad for all of their uh, disreputable actions here and in, in manipulating events. I think they just got fed up with Dennis. I oh, tried my. to call him several times. Uh He normally would respond to my emails very promptly, and now I must have sent him 20, to which, uh, you know, they've all bounced. I can't get him on the phone.
2: That's unusual. This,
1: well, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's very disturbing to me because this guy was a great guy.
2: Ah, uh, Well, that's unfortunate. And I was just about to ask you, wasn't there CNN footage of someone saying that no plane hit the Pentagon? Uh, the uh, Pentagon? Yes. Sir,
1: sure, uh, Jamie McIntyre. He yeah. was their best reporter. And they took it he down, He was on right? the scene. He was asked by the anchor about a plane. He said, well, you know, you might think that, but from my close-up inspection, there's no sign of any plane having hit the Pentagon anywhere. Uh, he talked about the only, uh, you know, no large plane parts, no wings, no tail. You know, that, that's the fascinating thing about the hit point. It, it, it's right at the ground level. It's about 10 feet high and 15 feet wide. There's a chain link fence there, a couple automobiles, uh, two enormous spools of, of cable, unbroken windows. Uh, but no massive pile of aluminum debris, no, no wings, no tail, no bodies, no seats, no luggage. These planes run about a hundred, uh, tons. Uh, The engines, which are virtually indestructible, were not recovered from the Pentagon. I mean, that's rather telling all by itself. I believe that in the years since, keeping track of sources of criticism, they've now come up with some engines from a now decrepit 757, I presume. Would you believe that the largest piece of fuselage on the lawn, and there was no debris on the lawn whatsoever for the first 20 or 30 minutes, I mean, even after the big segment of the building collapsed, which didn't happen initially, The debris wasn't there, leading me to conjecture it had been dropped by a C-130 that was circling the building because it would have been too obvious to have enlisted men and officers carrying debris out onto the Pentagon lawn was a piece of fuselage that indeed had come from a 757, but it had been peeled off. It didn't show any signs of having been involved in a violent collision or of having been burned. And in fact, entangled in that piece of fuselage is a section of vine, not indigenous to the Arlington, Virginia area. Uh, A brilliant uh, retired attorney from Columbus, uh, Ohio, Jim Hansen, tracked it back to a crash in near Cali, Columbia in 1995, where the pilots lost track and they went through a jungle where these vines are uh, abundant, before hitting the side of a mountain, mm-hmm. guess what? It was an Israeli firm that bought, brought up the debris from that crash in 1995.
2: My goodness, my goodness. And going back to the whole interview you did with Hannity, the whole facial reactions that he was giving you when you were having this discussion with him, it's kind of the same one you, you see most of the time when you talk about 9-11 and, and Sandy Hook. And this kind of you know leads me to believe that 70, 70% of people to 75 uh, percent of the general population, they are perfectly pre-programmed and brainwashed.
1: Yeah, that Hannity interview actually was uh, four months or more later. The first one with Ollie, he asked me at one point. Uh, How come no one's talked? And I said, well, Ollie, I said, you know, this is a compartmentalized, no, classified lie. operation <laughs> and on a need-to-know basis, and he had to sheepishly admit, yeah, he knew something about that. So, of course, you wouldn't expect anyone to know. I think that was the most embarrassing moment for him, frankly. That led him to shy away from television for years, literally years. I mean, I had a friend who was also tracking it, who was so in awe of how that interview had gone uh, that he wanted to see, you know, what had become of Ollie because he became missing in action for years, you know, for years. Jim, for
2: i, I got to tell you quickly here, that footage of you and Hannity, that exchange, I actually wanted to turn that into an intro for the show because I liked it so much.
1: What do you mean with the Hannity or with Ollie, remember? Well, yes, with Hannity yeah, actually it was all, first. Well, the Hannity one was the second interview, which is yes. four or more months later, where they – they brought me in again, uh, they were actually using some footage from, I think it might have been Vanderbilt talking about, um a 9-11 truth guy out in Colorado, as I recall. But once again, it's amazing. Uh, I, I was able to get uh, a point I made in yeah. both cases because when, 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 uh, uh, Alan Combs first questioned me, you know, about that, and I explained, no, I, I, I had founded a research organization, but I didn't have a class. I said, uh, uh, I, I, uh, you seem to have your fox, your facts, foxed, and I knew I had to <laughs> pronounce it very carefully. <laughs> your facts, foxed. Love that. And it, it, you know, I hope you do better in your in your in your research. Uh, as a rule, I was able to get that facts, foxed into the second interview with Hannity, and even was able to repeat the Minetta story, which is so devastating all by itself.
2: Oh, yes. And on the same topic here, once again, I heard your phone call uh you made to a talk show that was interviewing Judy Wood. And once again, I, I love that. She just sat there quietly and didn't respond whatsoever. It-, it was gold. And she could have easily just answered your question, yet she decided to, to go silent there.
1: Michael, it's embarrassing. It, it was right?
2: embarrassing. My God, I loved it. It was gold once again, Jim. Thank well, you for more that.
1: More so if you knew our history, because I actually <laughs> made Judy Wood, uh, you know, a familiar name in She's, 9-11 research. You, I was the first to interview her. Mm, you know. Happened- 11 November 2006, I was out in Tucson. Right. And you know, when she started talking about a whole, co- uh, I'd become very disillusioned with Stephen Jones, whom i made my co-chair when I founded Scholars for Nine Eleven 11 Truth in December of 2005. Constant harping on nanothermite. I'd even asked him at that American Scholars Conference in Los Angeles in June, whether he really Believe that nanothermite could blow apart the buildings and convert them into millions of cubic yards of very fine dust and all this. Yeah, that's what he, Greer- was, he was he was mm-hmm. assuring me it could, which which was complete and utter nonsense. I, I I mean Michael, it was so ridiculous. I would eventually publish three articles with T, T- Mark Hightower, who's a chemical engineer, happens to work for NASA, but this is his private research effort with me about nanothermite. Now, it turns out to be a law of material science, that an explosive can destroy a material only if it has a detonation velocity equal to or greater than the speed of sound in that material. The speed of sound in concrete is 3,200 meters per second in steel, 6,100 meters per second. But the highest detonation velocity attributed to nanothermite in the scientific literature is only 895 meters per second. That, That means... It can't do it. It can't even blow apart concrete. It certainly can't do anything. can't touch steel. So I was very disillusioned with Steve Jones. I mean, those articles would actually be published later, and they would have, you know, so far as I can see, no impact on architects and engineers, for example, which has been scarfing up all the public money.
2: I greatly thought I, so myself.
1: Yeah, it's really embarrassing that all this is going on this way, but there it is. And so when I interviewed Judy and she started talking about directed energy weapons that could be ground-based or airborne or even space-based, I was blown away because it was opening the theoretical space for studying the problem enormously. So I said something like, wow! And I was given the same treatment by Kevin Ryan and Stephen Jones at uh at Dean, you know, when he was uh, running for president. Uh, was given when he had this huge rally, you know, and he went, wow, wow, which in the background with all the noise, <laughs> yes. Howard Dean, mm-hmm. what background with all the noise was perfectly fitting, but they took it out of context. They hyped it up electronically to make it sound like he was demented. Well, you got this guy, Kevin Ryan, who used to work for Underwriters Laboratories, whom I used to regard as a, as a hero of the 9-11 movement. He has fallen substantially in my eyes because he's made some completely witless attacks upon me where he didn't understand even remotely what he was talking about uh sought to you know denigrate my role on the basis of my enthusiasm for opening the space of 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 research here which i thought was fantastic i would go on to interview judy a total of 15 times and i was pioneering the interaction between radio and the Internet, because I'd have people go to her website, then we'd go through different parts of her website with Judy explaining what she was laying out there. Now, you know, Judy impressed me a great deal. She's got the right credentials. She's got a background in material science and mechanical engineering. Yeah, Uh, yeah. She's very very smart. She has the accolades, no doubt. She has some peculiarities, Michael. She won't talk about who was responsible and why. Which tells, which is just like architects and engineers—they won't talk about who was responsible and why. The the subtitle to my latest book on 9/11, "America Nuked on 9/11," is compliments of the CIA, the neocons, and the DOD and the Mossad. I mean, by, by the way, Jim.
2: I, by the way, I'm sorry to stop you there, but you just said something interesting that made me think about something. Um, you, you said they don't tell you who was responsible. And I I talked to Richard Gage before, and he didn't want to answer that question.
1: I know. Isn't this absurd? What this means is these are two ops or or limited hangouts. They make you think they're doing something serious. But look, they put all this emphasis on nanothermite. Now, when, when T. Mark Hightower and I demonstrate nanothermite can't have done the job, they say, well, it could have been combined with an explosive, to which I responded, yes. But so could toothpaste, which is also... Non-explosive be combined with an explosive to make it explosive. And I ask them, what is the explosive that was combined with nanothermite to do the job? And they have no answer. They have no answer. They have all this money. Richard Gage goes first class everywhere. I've been told about his very elaborate contracts. He flies first class, first class hotels. I think they even cover all his food. I mean, it's outrageous because mm-hmm. he's not promoting 9-11. Tr- yeah, they ran this image of building 7 in Times Square. But, you know, they didn't contrast it with the uh, the twin towers. I mean, that would have been effective. You know, you see this uh, building going down in a classic controlled demolition, building 7. Right. And he contrasted it with the building 1 or building 2, the 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 north or the south tower which are blowing apart in every direction from the top down, being converted into millions of cubic yards of very fine dust. And when it's over, there's nothing in their footprint. This had to be done by a very powerful source of energy that could destroy all the material in those buildings so no significant chunk would wind up in the bathtub within which the two towers were built which is a colloquial name for a kind of a moat that was designed to keep Hudson River water out, because if the bathtub had shattered, then Hudson River would have flooded beneath lower Manhattan, the most valuable real estate in the world, which would have been quite a calamitous mess. So they had to design a unique method for destroying the Twin Towers that would preserve the bathtub. So that's what they did.
2: And going back to Judy really quickly here, you guys were actually – um and and good spirits with one with one another at one time and then things turn For you. south. Yes.
1: Yeah. So I think it was, I, I interviewed her 15 times mm-hmm. between that first interview in November of 2006 and must be maybe mid 2008. And on the last interview she was on with uh, you know this fellow John why is his name escaping me who claims to have done all this astounding research in his garage with uh Hutchison. Hutchison, they call it the Hutchison effect, You're oh, making yes. making metallic things levitate. I mean, give me a break. So I said, you know, <laughs> right. out of interest, I thought this was a naive question, simple one. What was his background in training? I mean, look, he's doing research in electromagnetism among the most complex of all the areas of physics. And his answer to me was he flunked crayons and coloring books. <sighs> Judy oh thought was hilarious, but I thought was really infantile and it, obviously right. irrelevant. So I just went on to other subjects, but from that point on, she refused to have anything to do with me, even when I organized the Vancouver hearings, even though we were at odds.
2: She scolded the host, by the way, of that one, one time you oh, called. I'm going
1: to come back to that. That was Bob Tusker. That was,
2: that was hilarious. I have to say.
1: I'm going to come back to that, Michael. <laughs> but, but she thought only would not respond when I invited her to speak at the Vancouver hearings, in spite of our differences. But John Hutchison had already agreed to speak, and she talked him out of it. She wouldn't let him do it. So she she runs it with an iron hand. I, I was interviewed at one point by this guy Pete Santilli, and it was the most difficult interview of my life because for two hours he kept repeating the same half a dozen questions. His producer, who quit on him over this later informed me that Judy Wood was on Skype and telling him what to ask, and it was just repetitious again and again and again and again. I knew damn well if I hung up, they'd make a to-do that they had forced me into having to, you know, give up because I couldn't endure the interview. So I just resolved I'm going to stick it through, but it was ridiculous. And Tilly eventually apologized to me for it, but, I mean, it was – just displays the vindictiveness, the pettiness of Judy Wood. Now, very, embarrassing. very embarrassing. Very yeah, embarrassing. Here's the thing. She has done this marvelous compilation of evidence. She has the best collection of photographs, a wonderful diagrams, proofs about, you know, the, the impossible destruction here at, at approximately free fall, that this couldn't have been a gravitational-driven collapse and so forth. When are we talking about the Twin Towers? But, of course, it's the opposite with the uh, Building 7. But right on the cover of her book, it says, uh, evidence of, uh, uh free, du- du- directed free energy. Yes. 9-11. Directed right? free energy, uh-huh. And yet she denies she has a theory. So I, I mean, I'm a professional philosopher of science. I deal with theories. series of conjunctions of laws and other statements of particular fact, initial conditions, so you can explain what happened without, without laws or theory. And initial conditions, you can't explain anything. It was a simple question. I always found this bizarre, Michael. It was a simple question. So I called into Tuscan, and I said, Judy, why do you deny that you have a theory? Silent.
2: Crickets. All you heard were crickets in the background there.
1: It was ridiculous. (laughs) If she doesn't have a theory, she can't explain anything. I'm an expert on scientific explanation, okay? I mean, this is uh, just ludicrous. I was trying to get her over a hump because her position looks so bizarre with her claim that she doesn't have a theory. See, she's trying to to maintain that she's not speculating. But the fact is by saying you don't have a theory doesn't mean you're not speculating. She, she she has a theory for which she has evidence. So she has what she believes is a true theory. A true theory is not a mere speculation. But she can't bring herself to even say she has a theory. Would you know that in the break and I was actually still I was recording this on my own end she was telling the host that this was like confronting a rapist as though I were a rapist and she was confronting me over a pure point of philosophy I mean this was this just shows this Judy Wood is something pathetic
2: and by the way yes yeah, she she's done an amazing job with her work and it, it was just sad to see her show up like that to just one well, me, simple question.
1: Let me tell you this. Before I went to Vancouver, in, in, the Vancouver hearings were in June. In May, I posted a review of her book, and I gave it five stars. I did explain in passing that I thought, while well, she'd succeeded in ruling out big nukes. She hadn't ruled out many or micro news. Now, When I went to Vancouver, we had a whole lot of evidence produced that, in fact, it was done with many or micro-nukes, including the U.S. Geological Survey dust studies from 35 locations in Manhattan that enumerated a whole host of elements, barium, strontium, lanthanum, lithium, uh, 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 tritium, some of which only exist in radioactive forms, that would not have been present in their quantity and correlation with one another had this not been a nuclear event. Right. So when I when I came back and took a look, I found already there were like two thousand attacks on my review of her book. Michael, this is a five star review of her book. Two thousand attacks on my book. Why? Because I had ridiculous. Dared to suggest she might not have everything right, that she might have overlooked many or micro nukes, which he clearly had overlooked. So when I discovered this, I decided I had to revise my review, and I downgraded it to three stars and laid in there the elements, the reports from the U.S. Geological Survey. I just enumerated the elements for which he's not accounted. And, of course, you know, today if you went there, there are over 7,500 attacks on my review of Judy Wood's book. This is not 7,500 comments on Judy Wood's book. This is 7,500 comments on my review of her book. 7,500.
2: Yeah, it's really insane. and
1: It's insane. It's absolutely unbelievable. Total detachment. Here, here's a simple point mm-hmm. I made many times in my rebuttals to this. It's a fundamental requirement of scientific reasoning. is technically known as the requirement of total evidence.
2: Correct. Empirical that
1: evidence. reasoning on all of the available relevant evidence. Evidence is relevant when its presence or absence, truth or falsity, makes a difference to the probability uh, of a hypothesis under consideration, the probability that it's true, or more technically, it's likelihood, which is the measure of the evidential support for the hypothesis based upon the probability of the available evidence if the hypothesis were true. And once you take into account the U.S. Geological Survey evidence, uh, Judy's position no longer is tenable. I mean, this is objective evidence gathered by a government institution, which is all the better, because it is, once again, your government's own evidence is refuting the government's position, but it's also refuting the position of Judy Wood. And I'll tell you, it was uh, I'd already put together that this wasn't really a scientific organization. This was a cult. They have a sacred text. I mean, this is analogous to the Bible. They have a sacred text. Where did the towers go? They have a mystical leader. It's not Jesus in this instance. It's Judy Wood. They have a praetorian guard, this guy, Andrew Johnson from the UK, someone calling himself Thomas Potter. These people ferociously attack anyone who raises the least doubt about Judy Wood's work. Here's something very, very interesting. I got one of these vicious attacks from Thomas Potter. I mean, these are big attacks. I mean, many paragraphs, mm. you know, going on and on.
2: And they're vile, uh, I bet.
1: They're, they're, pardon me?
2: I said, and, and they're vile, I bet.
1: Well, they're not so viable. They're vehement. They're vehement rather than vile. But ah. I did a, mm-hmm. you know, it, there was a group list. So I did a group reply, and right. one of them bounced. Ooh. One of them bounced. And guess what? It was from the ADL.
2: Oh, I see.
1: So I mean, this is a... This is a Jewish it entity. It really is. Judy, Judy Wood again, is Jewish. So i, I, I do not, I don't care what, what, what ethnicity a person is, but I've had to learn the hard way that the, the, the Mossad and, and, you know, the Israelis, the Zionists are working very hard to promote their view. I mean, remember on 9-11, the first candidates for having done it reported on the air were the Palestinians. My God.
0: There you go. The
1: groups in the world less likely to have performed this act. It was the Palestinians. This was a high-tech operation, very complex. Uh, intelligence experts around the world agreed that there were 2 only two agencies that could have pulled it off. One was the CIA. The other was the Mossad. In this case, they were working together. And would you believe they even pulled up footage of Palestinians seemingly rejoicing, only it wasn't contemporaneous. It was from uh, some political event in the distant past they just happened to have at hand. hmm you know, it was even between the two towers. The, the South Tower had gone down the North, not yet. They were already fingering the Palestinian. Well, any time you see Palestinians being fingered for something they almost certainly did not do, you see the hand of the Mossad. Right. And, and Judy Wood is working with the ADL. I mean, I find that extremely revealing.
2: That says it all. And by the way, lots of people wanted her to be on this program many moons ago. And when I had that interaction with her, she sent me, uh, maybe about 50 questions, and one of them, she said something about, am I doing this sort of thing for fame? And I thought to myself, uh, there's many other things I could be doing for fame if that's what I was actually trying to do.
1: Uh, well, why is she trying to impugn your motives for God's sake? I have no people? idea. An extremely reasonable guy, by the way. And you're just reaching out to her to give her an opportunity to present her views. And she's asking I mean, me questions. It was how insane. is that supposed to benefit you, Michael? Is, is is Judy so such a fabulous person that that feature her makes you famous? Uh,
2: apparently, in her mind.
1: In her mind.
2: I don't know what that was all about, but her once mind, a, once it's ag-
1: called the detached <laughs> reality.
2: Yes, and w- once again, going back to that show. She was scolding yeah. the host and telling him what to do basically, uh, and how to operate well, his program.
1: Thing, she was actually on Skype giving him the questions Jesus. and they became unbelievably repetitive. I was asked like the same wow. five questions 50 times.
2: Yeah, you know, that just 50, doesn't fly.
1: 50 times, Michael.
2: That just doesn't fly. And, and of
1: course. I, just, I wasn't going to give mm-hmm. up the ghost. I wasn't going to say this is for shit. Right, and I was going to stick it out because I knew if I if I left, they would say they chased me out the air.
2: Yeah, that's what they would have done. And, and it was uh,
1: completely, completely I, phony. It was garbage. It was a garbage interview. Another it was worst thing, interview of my life.
2: It was a waste of time, no doubt. And
1: another thing, it was, uh, it was thing, like a start off for Judy. She inspired it. She was behind it. Yes, she was running it. Another he thing, lost, he's lost his producer over this oh, she quit because of it.
2: Wow, that, that's another major blow. But Jim, she also went on to say some very nasty things, and she said that you had threatened her. Is that true at all?
1: I never threatened her.
2: Did you hear her saying that? I have
1: that? never threatened her at all.
2: She said that I couldn't I believe it. I
1: told it. her. I think I told her something like, "If you if you if you if you persist in maintaining that you don't have a theory." You're going to lose credibility. You know, I may have told her something like that as counsel because it's a proposition is so absurd. She has no basis for claiming I ever threatened her about anything. For Christ's sake, I was promoting her. No one in the world has featured Judy Wood more than I. I made her uh, somebody a a household word. Yeah. If that were, if that were 15 times,
2: if there were any truth to that, I'm sure you would have gotten a knock on the door by the boys in blue
1: garbage. Complete and total garbage.
2: I, I think she's just doing that to slander your name, Jim.
1: Of course. Oh, let me tell you what else she's done. She made up this little cartoon of a clown. It was Fetzer the Clown she put on the internet.
2: Oh no, she went that yeah. low.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah.
2: Uh. No. Judy,
1: why, why would she listen, do that? Listen to this. Listen to how bad it is. When she came here to Madison, you know, I believe in treating my speakers first class. So no I fly doubt them it. in and I give them accommodations. Well, she happened to drive in because she has two cats. And she asked, and my wife looked after her two cats in our home while she was here in Madison for the conference. I mean, this is how far we've extended ourselves. When she When she spoke at the Madison conference, On the science and politics of 9-11, I gave her three hours to speak. I have participated in hundreds of conferences, professional all over the place, all over the world. I've never heard of anyone being given three hours to speak, but I gave Judy Wood three hours to speak.
2: Understood. It's just, it's kind of insane. Uh, I, you know, I sit back here and I talk to all sorts of different walks of life, different researchers, and a lot of them have this sort of rivalry going on with someone, and it's
1: my it, attitude it's is the crazy. opposite. I encourage collaboration.
2: Sure yeah, and I know I, you're a very reasonable right. individual. Even,
1: even after we'd gone through all this happy horseshit, I invited her to speak in Vancouver, and she not only turned me down. There was another physicist who'd agreed to speak. She talked out of it. Uh, grab what's his name. He, he, he'd also agreed, just as John Hutchison had agreed. She, she discouraged both of them. I even invited Steve Jones and, and I, as I recall, even Carl, uh, Kevin Ryan to speak in, Va- in Vancouver. None of them. I mean, I have from the beginning reached out. That's why he founded Scholars, you know, to bring together experts in different fields so Correct. we could collaborate. Yeah. And Scholars took off like a rocket, you know. Uh, founded in December, I mean, by, by the end of the year, we had 800 members in four different categories. And just at the point where they were sabotaging the whole society because I'd interviewed Judy Wood, I and my wife were flown to Athens, Greece, all expense paid, Put on television by the leading muckraker in Greece who'd been responsible for bringing down corrupt governments uh, in the nation. For three and a half hours, it was originally going to be three, three and a half hours. Going in, they have a dozen panelists. They they told me going in that, that, that usually only a couple of them will ask questions. I said, not tonight. Every single one of them asked questions. It was sensational. They had all these clips from 9-11. I mean, they had done a brilliant job. They must have had a dozen to 15 clips, and we got at least eight or ten of them on the air. It was broadcast worldwide by satellite. Just at the very time Steve Jones, Kevin Ryan, these other people were sabotaging scholars because I had interviewed Judy Wood, I was doing, and this has to be the high mark of the 9-11 movement, I was doing this sensational interview in Athens, three and a half hours worldwide by satellite.
2: My goodness. You know, I had no idea all of that was going on, and you guys had a very deep relationship there.
1: Oh, and what was going on with these other members who were, you know, uh, abandoning me? I mean, I'd had a couple members who said if there ever were a split, they'd be going with Steve Jones instead of me. Well, I was okay with me. But the fact is, there was no justification for it. They conducted a phony poll of the society and claimed that most of the members wanted to leave and go with Steve Jones and Kevin ryan. I mean I mean the bit layer they they faked being the, the 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 membership administrator. They literally faked it and and i I had made this website world famous. I'd had a guy who shall go nameless obtain the domain name it was s t nine eleven org or S911T, one or the other. And I made it world famous. Every single article, every single video, everything that went up on that website for the solid year was because of me. I decided every single thing that went up there. People would make recommendations, suggestions, but I managed the website. It became world famous, world famous. When they dissolved it, you see, they wanted to keep the website. So this guy refused to convey it to me gave it to yet a third party right and what did they who refused again to give it to me instead they they used they put up a, a website that you know using the same url for both scholars for 9-11 truth and scholars for 9-11 truth and justice would you believe when stephen jones organized this uh ni- journal of 9-11 studies he was going to have Judy on the editorial board and I was going to be the managing editor. Uh, really? I have the most, I have the most editorial experience of anyone ever associated with 9-11. I was 10 years an associate editor of a, one of the most famous journals in philosophy, Synthes, a journal for, uh, for epistemology, methodology, and the philosophy of science. I founded My own journal, Minds and Machines, for artificial intelligence, uh, philosophy, and cognitive science, which I edited alone for 10 years. I've been on many editorial boards. I was congratulated innumerable times because the editorial board I put together for Minds and Machines was probably the best editorial board of any journal in history. I mean, just stunning. I had the absolute best people in these fields, the best people. And I told Steve, I said, Steve, look, the success of your journal is going to depend upon the quality of the members of your editorial board. And I said, very important they be uh, objective, high profile, very competent. He not only shit-canned Judy and me from the board, but he put in flunkies, you know, buddies of his. And they published some absolute rubbish. They've got stuff on there claiming that planes hit the Pentagon I can't tell you how many times, uh, how thoroughly you can refute that any plane hit the Pentagon. In fact, the official account, Michael, isn't even aerodynamically possible because it has a Boeing 757 traveling over 500 miles an hour, barely skimming the ground. In the new book, you know, American nuked. On 9-11, I have an article by an aeronautical engineer who explains that that plane, at that speed, could not get closer than 60 or even 80 feet to the ground. It most certainly could not have skimmed the ground and taken out a series of lampposts, that it was all fraudulent, that if it had hit a lamppost, a stationary lamppost, at 500 miles an hour, the effect would be the same as if the plane had been stationary, hit by a lamppost going 500 miles an hour. Would have ripped the wings open, and because of fuel stored in the wings, Stored in the wings, it would have mixed with oxygen, burst into fire. The plane would have cartwheeled across the ground. But we have photo after photo after photo of this perfectly clear, gleam, unblemished Pentagon lawn for that first 30 minutes. You can't have a crash that you know spreads debris at the time of the crash and for the debris not to be there at the time of the crash. I mean, it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it really That's is. It's
1: ridiculous. Steve Jones has people on his journal. And there are articles who are maintaining that a plane hit the Pentagon. I mean, this is an absurdity. Yeah, speaking an absurdity, of... Here's, mm-hmm. some, here's something else the world doesn't know. Oh, go ahead. Steve Jones did a whole lot of work on, on nuclear events. He has done a whole lot of work on nuclear events. He should know damn well that this was a nuclear event. I mean, you know, look, even converting materials into very fine dust is a signature of nuclear events. And Judy endlessly emphasized how Lower Manhattan was just coated with, you know, a couple of inches of very fine material. In fact, she even does calculations as to say if you converted these, you know, 500,000-ton buildings into very fine dust, how much would there be? And the calculations match with the distribution of the dust. And here you have the U.S. Geological Survey going to 35 locations and testing the dust. This is so ironic because Steve Jones based all of his arguments on nanothermite from tiny dust samples in an apartment in the vicinity of Ground Zero. Notice the name? I mean, Ground Zero, look it up, right? That's the location, the center of a nuclear event. They, They call it Ground Zero. He's got these little dust samples, and they have some little tiny uh beads of iron, which is a typical of you know that's a residue from a nuclear event because the temperatures are so fantastically high the steel is you know a combination of iron and carbon and if you disintegrate steel you're gonna get little tiny beads of iron, but he also claimed to have these nano uh, 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 uh thermitic chips, these little blue and red chips now maybe. Some nanothermite was used for some reason. It's a very good incendiary. Uh, I mean, thermite classically was used to weld together railroad tracks and uh, disable artillery. You drop a thermite grenade down a howitzer. It fuses the mechanism. It's no longer useful as a weapon of war. Uh, and it could have been used to cut, uh, cut, uh, some steel beams. But face it, I mean, if the building had actually collapsed, and there was no kind of collapse, if it had collapsed, you would have a massive pile of debris uh, equal to about 12% of the height of the original, just as we had with uh, Building 7, a 47-story building. You had five-and-a-half floors, classic result of controlled demolition. But at the Twin Towers, there was nothing in their footprint, nothing in their, nothing in their footprint. I had uh, Father Frank Morales on my shows twice. He was a first responder from St. Mark's Episcopal Church. Both times, he explained, those buildings were destroyed to or even below ground level. Well, that's impossible with any kind of collapse. In fact, it wasn't even physically possible for those buildings to collapse. The the mass of the steel was such. The steel was much thicker at the base. It was six inches, five tapered off to the top, only about a quarter inch at the top. So if you took, say, the top uh, 12 floors of the North Tower above the alleged hit point, they only represented like uh, 1.4% of the mass of the steel. The idea that 1.4% of the mass of the steel could overwhelm the lower 98.6, it's simply absurd. If you had a collapse, it would have been very different if there had been weakening of the steel, of which there was none. The fires didn't burn long enough or hot enough to cause the steel to weaken, much less melt. In fact, underwriters laboratories, for which Kevin Ryan worked, uh, certified the steel to 2,000 degrees for three or four hours without weakening, much less melting. And they actually had a test of the proposition in the North Tower in 1975 when they had an intense fire estimated at 2,000 degrees that burned for four hours and they didn't have to replace any of the steel. This is when they decided to install the sprinkler systems. And, in fact, it was neutralizing the sprinklers by draining the water out of the systems that appears to have been the motive for preliminary explosions in the sub-basements that occurred at approximately the times the planes were supposed to be hitting the buildings, which they were going to explain away on the basis of jet fuel falling through the elevators to cause these explosions, except... The elevators, the main elevators, were staggered. You'd go down 34s, you'd have to get off, go down another 30, get off, go down another. So you couldn't have jet fuel. There were only a couple of maintenance elevators that went all the way from the top to the bottom. And, and William Rodriguez, who had a fellow custodian trapped in one of them, reported how he survived. There was no jet fuel there. But he was there when they had this enormous explosion in the sub-basements. He came here to... uh Madison, and we were having dinner together, he and I and and Kevin Barrett, when he described the sub-basements filling with water, and I realized that had been a principal reason for those explosions to drain the sprinkler systems of water so they couldn't put out the very modest fires that remained after the spectacular fireballs had consumed whatever had been previously positioned in the way of jet fuel or napalm, uh, you know, which was consumed in the first 15 or 20 seconds after that very modest fire. It's, in fact, what triggered off the actual destruction of the South Tower was a police captain going up there and reporting just a couple of modest fires here, bringing a couple lines, we'll put them out. That's when the order was given to take out the South Tower because once the fires were extinguished, there'd no longer be any explanation for what happened to the buildings. And, in fact, they botched it because they had the top three cubes of 10 top 30 floors tilted to the side. Even Stephen Jones, in an article he published in an edited collection by David Ray Griffin and Peter Dale Scott, said he was just dumbfounded when these top 30 floors just turned into dust. Well, what's that tell you? Stephen Jones is astonished when the top 30 floors turned to dust? But now he can't explain it because nanothermite cannot have caused the top 30 floors to turn to dust? I'm telling you, it's a disgrace. you got people... Remember, it was it Lenin who observed the best way to control the opposition is to lead it? You got Judy Wood. You got Stephen Jones. You got this, uh, Richard Gage in these key leadership figures and if, roles. And what are they doing to solve the problem? Nothing. They not only give us inadequate theories about how it was done, they won't even talk about who was responsible and why. Well, why are the American people going to care? If they don't have an idea of what was going on, which you, for which you have to have a narrative of who was responsible and why, to integrate how it was done, how it was done is very telling and confirming.
2: Yeah, Larry Silverstein has an idea how it went down. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, he actually gave this interview with a uh, you know National Public Radio about how. With regard to the North how, uh the Building Seven, uh, how he was contacted by the Er Fire Commander, and that verbal pause tells me he knew this person under a different designation. And he told him there had been so much death and devastation. Perhaps the best thing to do is to pull it. And he said they made the decision to pull, and we watched the building come down. That's a construction term, of course, for bring down by a controlled demolition. Now they were working all day on that building in order to be able to pull it. In fact, Barry Jennings, who is from the New York Emergency Management. Unit had gone to that building because Rudy Giuliani had a command and control on two floors with their own air and water. And when he got up there, he found half eaten sandwiches, still steaming cups of coffee. A fireman came along and said, we got to get you out of here. Explosions were going on when he was inside the building. A stairway was blown out from under him. He felt himself at one point stepping over dead bodies. He could feel, but he couldn't see when he got out. He was interviewed. You can still find his interviews online. He puts the lie to any innocuous explanation about 9-11 all by himself. And, of course, the Building 7 wasn't even mentioned, not even mentioned in the 9-11 Commission report, not even mentioned. And when they did their own separate analysis, which is completely absurd because this building only had very modest fires and it may have been the most robust building ever designed by the hand of man, it was erected over two enormous electrical generators providing, uh, I guess, backup electricity for lower Manhattan. But, I mean, these are two massive electrical generators. Even in the Twin Towers, they used uh, steel beams that were hollowed out at the center because they're virtually as strong uh, as solid steel beams. But in Building 7, they used solid steel beams. I'm telling you, that building presented a problem because it was so robust and then it was brought down in a classic controlled demolition. Look, I don't fault architects and engineers for talking about building seven.
2: Yeah, but by the way, but- Jim, if anybody wants to call in, that number is seven six zero three three two eighty seven twenty four one more time. Seven six zero three three two eighty seven twenty four. Go ahead, Jim. Sorry.
1: Oh no, that's great. I, I love calls. I love calling Well that I- that's
2: if they have the courage to call in. It it seems like most people don't. <laughs>
1: Well, I am on a bit of a roll here. Yeah, I I know. Look, look, (laughs) you know. I mean, Building Seven is one thing, but absent a narrative, what does it mean? Is he got nothing to connect it to? Okay, so Building Seven came down in a controlled demolition. What the does that mean? See? Right. Well, what it really means is the government was doing it. It had nothing to do with these 9/11 terrorists, uh, which were used as a justification to invade Afghanistan. And, you know, within weeks after 9-11, we'd invaded Afghanistan. It took us three years to get around to invading Iraq. And for that, we had to have phony intelligence created by the B team organized by Dick Cheney and Scooter Libby. And, you know, Dick Cheney on 9-11, he actually was the executive director. He was the guy who was in charge on
2: 9-11. Yes, he was. By the way, do you still remember where you were that morning?
1: Sure, I was in bed. Our, our, uh, we, we have several daughters, and a daughter who is living then in Sarasota, Bradenton, called up and said, turn on your TV. And we turn on the TV, and there was the, you know, the, 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 the this South Tower. Oh, well, no, the North Tower was smoking. Uh I think the South Tower may have been hit, except we didn't see the plane, you know. Yeah. Uh, by, by the uh, way, Jim, we were watching, when they w- listen, uh, uh, when those buildings went down, Michael, I said yes. to myself, "This is this is ridiculous." But I'll, I don't think I'll ever be in a position to do anything about it. It was obvious the way those buildings came came down mm-hmm. that the whole story we were being fed was nonsense. Every civil engineer, every mechanical engineer, every structural engineer in the country knows those buildings didn't collapse because of fire or plane impacts. In fact, the most obvious point Jesse Ventura likes to make, and he has a gift for making complex points in simple ways, how did two planes bring down three buildings? In fact, those planes couldn't have brought down either of the buildings. In fact, uh, one of my first articles about was 20 reasons... Uh The official account of 9-11 is wrong, and the very first reason I gave was because they were designed to withstand the hit of the then-largest commercial carriers, which are Boeing 707.
2: Yeah, by the way, I think someone's on the line now. Caller, are sure. you alive?
3: I'm alive. Hey, Mike, it's Dave in uh, Germantown Runner. If you're oh. there, go ahead. Speak yeah, up.
0: go ahead, buddy. Go ahead.
3: Awesome. Professor, I'm really enjoying uh, your appearance on Mike's show. You've got a lot of interesting things. I'm really enjoying it. Michael, My question okay, for you is: What's okay. I live outside
1: the I'm making of Washington this. D.C. You know, and got Maryland. Uh, Architects and engineer on
2: one wait, side. W- wait it's a right. minute, Jim. You 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 can't hear the caller. What is going on? I'm here. here? You're still there. I'm here, I'm Mike. Here. Can you can you hear him now, Jim?
1: Oh.
2: Oh, I guess we're having some trouble here with with the phone. Uh,
1: just, just tell me what he's saying. What he's asking. Yeah. What
2: what what's going on? Ask your question one more time.
1: I'm interested to know
3: the professor's theory about what really did happen in the Pentagon, being that I am an aerospace journalist and I'm based outside of Washington, D.C., and got to see a lot of the damage in uh, in person within a week after the plane, the well, the alleged plane going into the Pentagon. And I also have a colleague that I work with who was actually on the 14th Street Bridge uh which which connects washington dc to northern virginia heading into virginia stuck in one of dc's famous traffic jams and he they saw think, as a witness with his own eyes the plane hit the yeah. pentagon so i'm, I'm interested in what the, how her. how the professor resolves that discrepancy
2: yeah he, he's saying that he is a fellow aerospace journalist and he has a colleague who's also one and he was on the, fourth, on the 14th street bridge the morning of 9/11 driving uh from dc into north virginia and he of course saw the 757 fly into the pentagon is that is that what you're saying it seems like all kinds of people are
1: calling in now <laughs> 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 yes that's what i'm saying well you're just yeah, you want to me keep, to hang you know, up and listen on the air the, their questions because i can't hear any of them yeah i'm gonna there, there, there was a plane that flew toward the pentagon this may he well have seen it i have a a friend from not, a JFK Research by the name of Roy Schaefer, he had a buddy who was a trucker in front of the Pentagon at the time, um, Dave Ball. And Dave told Roy that he had seen a plane fly toward the Pentagon and then swerve over it. And I told Roy I'd really like to get Dave on the air. And Roy said, well, he's reluctant to come on. And I said, well, tell Dave he's much safer if he'll come on and tell his story. And the next we knew, Roy was dead in an abandoned building. But, in fact, there was a plane that flew toward the Pentagon. It just wasn't the right one. It doesn't come on on the right trajectory. It came in north of the sitco station. Citizens investigative team, these two guys found uh, 12 or 13 witnesses who had seen a plane fly toward the building but was north of the sitco, whereas on the official account it would have been south of the sitco station. And that plane did not hit the building. I'm just, you know. He, he may very well have seen a plane, yes, fly toward the Pentagon. I, I've affirmed that that was the case, but it wasn't on the official trajectory at the official speed. Give me another question, Michael.
2: Well, I th- I think most people have, have tuned out already now. They they stopped calling.
1: Why? I have no clue. Oh, well, because they couldn't reach me directly?
2: I don't know. They, they kind of just stopped calling, but
1: let me, let me, let me draw a parallel here to bring home a point. Okay. Go ahead. You, you, you have CNN and MSNBC both running a vendetta against Donald Trump to, you know, delegitimize the administration. You got architects and engineers and Judy Wood running a vendetta against 9-11 truth. They won't even talk about who is responsible and why and their theories of how are hopelessly inadequate. Judy won't even admit she has a theory. But she has made the point over and over and over again. You can't begin talking about who is responsible and why as though we can't chew gum and walk at the same time until we know every detail of how it was done, which is frankly absurd.
2: And I agree. It is absurd.
1: Well, so tele- I'm really, really sorry because I really, really would have liked talking to you. I love callers. I take them on my show now. I do this thing called the raw deal on Tuesday and Thursday yeah, on Ren's radio. Yeah. Rent I was just radio. about to
2: ask you about that. Your, your show, the raw deal. When did you begin doing that, Jim? And
1: who, uh, January last year.
2: Did you have any influence growing up, uh, in radio perhaps?
1: Not particularly. No, it's just something I kind of got into. You know, I, I was first invited to do a show on RBN by its then uh director because he heard me doing an interview on another show and wanted to have me on his show. And that's where I began. I was fired from that show by John Stegmuller, who runs it when he discovered that I was a liberal. Actually, ironically, at the time I was defending Hillary Clinton from attacks on her because she was a lesbian and explained that, whether she was a lesbian or not really wasn't a relevant consideration. And he called me up on the air and said, "Fencer, he says, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to tell me the truth." I said, "Sure." I said, and he said, "Are you a liberal?" <laughs> I thought this was very funny because the very first five minutes when I came <laughs> on the air, my very first program on radio, I explained that uh, I believed in all of the social programs that benefit the American people, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, unemployment insurance, workmen's compensation. I said, I also believe everyone deserves representation, not just the rich. So when he asked the question, you know, I thought, gee, he must have not got the memo. <laughs> but, yes. I, but I said, of course, and he fired me on the air right there. Oh, flat wow. out, Fired me on the air. On the air. Yeah. Holy wouldn't wow. even finish my show.
2: That sucks. By the way, you but do look, a fantastic here, here's, show, Here's Jim. the
1: point I'm making: mm-hmm. just as CNN and this is CIA 24/7 and MSNBC, which is this fluffy liberal version, but it's just as deceitful, just as duplicitous, are running these nonstop attacks on Trump to delegitimize the administration. You have uh, architects and engineers. Sounds very professional, doesn't it? It sure does. On the one hand with Steve Jones and Richard Gage, and then you have this uh, uh, uh Judy Wood and do thing on the other, and and both of them give inadequate theories of how it was done, and neither of them is willing to talk about who is responsible and why. So they're both ganging up against 9-11 truth. I'm telling you, I mean, you know, when I founded Scholars, it was to promote, promote truth. I've continued right. to do it without having the apparatus I had at one point in time Because we had a very active membership. I mean, and all kinds of people working very smoothly. And this website was a sensation and they deliberately, I'm convinced now it was a deliberate sabotage, deliberate sabotage. They were just looking for a reason. Once I began wandering off the reservation of nanothermite and you know, nanothermite is a hopelessly inadequate explanation. It's embarrassing to me. You, you had this Richard Gage guy on C-SPAN. Yeah, Richard Gage really pushed the nanothermite. And he was still talking about nanothermite. He still does. He knows, he knows nanothermite cannot possibly have done it. I mean, we've got 70,000 people who are dying from odd maladies that are typically associated with the effects of ionizing radiation. Correct. Multiple nyloma, non-Hodgkin's, uh, leukemia, esophageal pancreatic cancer, all this kind of stuff in Chernobyl. These are the kinds of uh, medical maladies. The number now is up to some 70,000. You cannot explain that on nanothermite. You cannot explain that on directed energy weapons of the kind Judy's talking about. You can only explain it on the basis of it having been a nuclear event. Here's another key. We gave Israel hundreds, hundreds of Davy Crockett Tactical nuclear recoilless rifle warheads. The Israelis took them back and refined them and brought them back to the United States, going to one account on a submarine for use on 9-11. Oh, we my. gave them the nuclear warheads, these tactical nuclear warheads. Turns out these are, these are, uh, oddly enough, uh devices that satisfy Judy Wood's definition of a directed energy weapon because they they can be directed and they provide more energy than conventional weapons. And they have a, a, a dialable radius. So you could set it at, say, 100 feet, put them in the core columns, direct it upward. 100-foot radius is a 200-foot a, a, a diameter. The buildings were 200 feet on a the side. Then you blow in a series, you know. Yeah, I think there could have been a very large number of these in each of the buildings because you were taken out, you know, just a, maybe a couple of floors at a time. But look how thoroughly they're being demolished and turned into very fine dust. And there was this one massive assembly of steel that was thrown blown like, what, 600 feet? I mean, it was huge, you know, hundreds of tons, 150 tons, 600 feet. How do you do that with conventional? You can't do it with conventional. How would you do it with directed energy? can't do it with directed energy. Required an enormous source of energy. I mean, these alternative positions are just not defensible, but they've managed to muddy the water enough that most Americans no longer care about 9-11 because they think nobody knows what they're talking about. They
2: tuned out already. Yeah. That's kind of what what went on. And, by the way, before I uh, forget, there was someone – a listener who wanted me to ask you about Jack Ruby, if, if he knew Lee Harvey Oswald.
1: Oh yeah, sure. Uh, Jack even introduced Lee Harvey Oswald to Beverly Oliver, who was a singer in another club who used to come over to the carousel. She came in. I got this from Beverly directly. She came in and Jack said, uh, Beverly, I want you to meet, uh, Lee, uh, Lee Oswald from the CIA. Beverly. Thought then, and repeated when she and I were on together on Jesse Ventura's America with with uh, Audrey Reich, who was the ambulance driver who up to load JFK into the bronze ceremonial casket, that she didn't know what that meant then, and she didn't know what it means now. But yeah, Lee and Jack knew each other, of course. You know what's fascinating about this is there's been a very recent development. There's a guy, very controversial, but he makes does wonderful work by the name of Ralph Sinke. He has a Bit of an abrasive personality. Understood. Yeah, well, yeah. I've been accused of the same. We all have. <laughs> he, he he was very instrumental in getting me on the right focus when it came to the location of Lee Oswald in relation to the Alchon Six, this very famous photograph where you see the uh, Kennedy limousine in the foreground, and you can see the background is the Dow tax, and then the book depository in the background, and there's this figure in the doorway who seems to be leaning out that turns out to have actually been Lee Harvey Oswald uh, but uh he got me uh, into realizing that the key to identifying Lee wasn't the face it was the height the weight the build the clothing the t-shirt the outer shirt see this is because he's a chiropractor so he helps people get their bodies into shape right. so their clothes fit better okay mm-hmm. he's got the perfect background for this true so he, he So I wind up, wound up doing with with Ralph and a number of others, oh, I don't know, probably a dozen articles about Lee in the doorway. We have gone over this thing every way you can imagine, every possible point of view. Pixel studies of the shirts and all this kind of stuff. Believe me, it was Lee in the doorway. Yeah, he
2: was in the doorway, never on the sixth floor.
1: Not on the sixth floor, right. Well, now Ralph has made another discovery that's really, to me, rather astonishing, which is this that the man who shot Lee Oswald when he was being transferred in the basement appears not actually to have been uh, Jack Ruby, but someone who looked a lot like him, except he was too short to be Jack Ruby. He had a clean-shaven back of his neck, whereas Jack, when he was booked, had a, a lot of stubble growth on the back of his neck, uh where he was wearing white white socks, but Jack Ruby was wearing dark socks. I mean... This is just astonishing. The whole thing takes place in such a way you never directly see the face of the man who shoots Lee Oswald. They immediately take him, and they more or less actually, you think they're wrestling him, but they're actually concealing his identity by swarming around his head and taking him into another room. It appears to have been an FBI agent by the name of James Bookhout, B-O-O-K-H-O-U-T, Bookout, right and get this, this is also fascinating. Jerome Corsi, very smart guy, knows a lot about JFK, is working with uh InfoWars, and he ha- is organizing a series of presentations on JFK. And he began with Ralphson Kay on Lee in the doorway and a second hour of Ralphson Kay on who actually shot Lee Oswald. And I'll tell you, I think it's impossible to watch that second hour and not be convinced that he's right i tell you i was profoundly skeptical in the beginning but i'm to the point now where i think ralph has hit another one right out of the ballpark
2: i'm mean, gonna have to look into that yes and by the way there has been lots of speculation about the deep state trying to desperately get rid of trump and it seems like uh, oh yeah. it's very very much true and either people are are even alluding that there might even be an an assassination attempt. My
1: goodness. Oh, yeah, absolutely, no doubt. I've been worried about that for a long time. See, they're trying to discredit him. I mean, oddly enough, Trump has actually been accomplishing a a lot. I got a friend, let me see if I can pull it up, who who sent me an email just tonight about uh, all of Trump's good work And it's a fairly astonishing record that the media is refusing to report. Uh, If I can find it here, I I get an awful lot Mm -hmm. of emails, I'll tell you. But, you know, even these veteran professionals, uh, veteran intelligence professionals for sanity have debunked the idea that the there was any Russian hacking from the metadata they've been able to determine that the email lead, uh, the emails were downloaded from what appears to be the server uh, that in much too fast uh, an order uh, to much too fast an order somebody just ordered something in my name that I didn't order. this is oh, outrageous no. uh, it, it, much too fast to have been from a distant hack. Okay. Much too fast to have been a distant hack. Yeah,
2: this so, definitely was downloaded on on to their own computer there.
1: Right, right, right. So it's done I got to cancel this order. I'm being charged 91 bucks or something I didn't order. Oh no, yeah. You you need to cancel that quickly.
2: It seems like that's been a real issue lately with lots of people that I know personally, lots of their information being stolen.
1: Yeah, uh, it's completely outrageous. I wonder who the hell is responsible uh, for that well, i don't know perhaps the chinese yeah perhaps the chinese right 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 oh no terrible now, you just
2: w- was this a purchase made through
1: amazon no okay. no this was an independent purpose purchase oh, was- okay <laughs> interesting <laughs>
2: live on the air uh, folks, uh, you uh, got uh, a-
1: it'll probably be a hassle to to, to to get rid of it because you know when you order something i mean i did order originally a, a a a product here but now they're just blowing it up with this absurdity
2: yeah that's what they do that's how they get your
1: information now, they're already responding to my my cancellation but look let me tell you this yeah There is a real effort to to take out Trump. Even this guy, McMaster, is working for the other side. He's systematically getting rid of the true Trump loyalists. They began with Mike Flynn. Now, you've got to understand about Mike Flynn. He was the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency when Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and John Brand created ISIS. ISIS has been the scourge of the Middle East. We created ISIS. It was funded by Israel, Saudi Arabia, and the United States. Mike Flynn opposed it. In fact, subsequently, uh Flynn was fired by Barack Obama at the insistence of John Brennan because he was opposed to ISIS. So Flynn is a good guy. But the reason Trump needed Flynn was he's somebody who's experienced in intelligence and he he could see through the bullshit. Because, you know, otherwise you got all these people on MSNBC saying, oh, Trump doesn't even believe what the intelligence agencies are telling him. They're claiming over and over, 17 intelligence agencies agreed there'd been Russian hacking. That was never true. It was always false. Only three agencies were ever involved. That was the FBI, the CIA, and the NSA. They are the most political of the agencies. They made this up. They ran with it. They never even actually formally confirmed it. They said they had confidence. That doesn't mean they have proof. They didn't have any proof. There wasn't any proof because it didn't happen. So here you got this, you know, retired uh, intelligence professionals for sanity, very smart people who are blowing the whole hacking meme to pieces by showing it was downloaded right at the server in much too fast time that it couldn't possibly have been done distant hacking. But MSNBC and CNN are perpetrating the fraud on the public. And because the and this gets back to the original where we began with the, you know, this fake news meme and now they're cutting all kinds of stuff out when people are doing their best to get the truth out about something important, like Sandy Hook. I tell you, this article by Carl Herman ought to be the number one article on the Internet today, but they have used these uh, sophisticated algorithms that Google's contrived to suppress it. Right. That's I mean, what's they, going on. Fake, fake news for them is anything they don't want the public to hear, anything yeah. they don't want the public to know. They will suppress it. They'll claim it's fake news. The fake news is the mainstream media. That is what it produces now. The New York Times, uh, the Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, and the major networks are marketing fake news 24/7. It's embarrassing. It's shocking. But it 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 all began uh, with the CIA with Operation Mockingbird. Uh, back in, uh, you know, in the sixties, the, the CIA began to infiltrate the, the, the media here. Uh, several of the reporters on the scene in Dallas were CIA. They were giving reports that were what the agency wanted the people That's right. to hear.
2: And you know, I always, I always question, uh, who, who the hell can we actually trust in the media? Is that even possible nowadays?
1: Nah. Unless they're saying things that you know to be true, see, that, this is the key to it. Take something you actually know about which you know the facts. Right. Use it to measure the reliability of others. Use it as a standard or a yardstick. Right. Mm-hmm. I I have done so much on so many of these different things. I mean, you know, JFK, nine eleven, Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, and more and more and more. I can just tell you from listening whether they're telling you the truth or not, because I brought together the best people to study all these things, and I've even put it in print. I've given interview after interview. I've given over a 1,000 interviews on JFK, 1,000 interviews.
2: on. Yeah, JFK. you really have.
1: Well, I'm telling you, I, it doesn't take me any time at all to size somebody up about JFK, you know, whether it's bullshit or real. Right. And most of what's out there these days is bullshit. I mean, it's very embarrassing, and <laughs> it it's is. worse. You know, the more the more significant the issue to discrediting the the uh, uh, administration. Like this Sandy Hook thing is absolutely toxic because once you understand, if they would lie to the American people with a fabricated terrorist event involving a fake shooting of 20 children that was designed to have emotional impact on parents across the country. I mean, this is uh just despicable, despicable. And Barack Obama and Eric Holder and uh, uh Governor Malloy and the Connecticut State Police and the Newtown School Board and all the phony parents were complicit in this. They were all involved. They've all benefited from it one way or another. The, the most ironic result being that Obama didn't get anywhere near as far in his gun control agenda as he thought at the time. In fact, uh, there is, if I can find it, a wonderful comment I'll have to read to one of my articles about uh, when Neil Heslin was cited in the in the interview between Megyn Kelly and Alex Jones. Right. He, he gave a story that contradicted the uh, official account by saying he held his son Jesse with a in his arms with a bullet hole in his head, okay? Well, they they didn't let the parents come in contact with the children for multiple reasons. Wayne Carver said it was because it was emotionally easier that way, that there was a time for up close and personal, and this wasn't it. Uh But the fact is they'd fabricated the kids out of photographs of other children when they were, you know, 10 years younger. That's why you have this gap in the age of the those who are posing as the parents and what their age ought to have been had they really been parents. They should have averaged 26. They averaged 36. And that's because they were pretending to be the parents of children who were 10 years younger than their actual children. I, I We have shown this, for example, with uh, Noah Posner, who's by far the most famous of all these Sandy Hook children. Go to my website, go to Sandy Hook Charade. Uh, Noah Posner was Michael Wabner as a child, and you discover someone who is supposed to have been Noah Posner's older stepbrother actually was the basis for fabricating the fictional character Noah Posner, who's made out of photographs of Michael Wabner as a child. Now, if you go there, you'll see how thoroughly we've documented this, including superpositions, where you take, we take you from Noah Posner, in terms of his eyebrows, his eyes, his ears, the shape of his head, his mouth, his nose, and all that, and we 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 give him by a series of projections into Michael Vabner it's the same person it is the same person
2: yeah by the way the the kids the, those photographs the the kids in them their clothing were out of date weren't they
1: right 10 years out of date see that, that was picked up on right away that's weird we, isn't it well we hadn't figured out the full dimensions of it but this is what they did we'll get this here's what i'm saying so I had a couple about blogs about Megyn Kelly's interview with Alex Jones and how it was perpetrating a fraud on the public. And I laid out some of the big picture elements of it. But then I did a second about this Neil Heslin thing. Yes. And, and, uh, because it's so striking and get this. I, this is a comment from June 22nd, 2017 at 8.56 PM by Anonymous in November 2012 on the PBS show Greater Boston hosted then by Emily Rooney, daughter of Andy. They had as a guest the mayor of Boston, Thomas Menino. The topic was gun control, and Menino essentially bragged that he was good friends with then-Vice President Joe Biden, who had called him and told Menino that by January of 2013, gun control in the U.S. would be a done deal. Rooney asked how or what could change for legislation to pass so quickly. Menino wouldn't say, but that Biden had assured him that something would happen to bring it about, and that something was Sandy Hook. Wow. I mean I'm
0: telling you wow. this is
1: this is how blatant it is. <laughs> yeah. We boast about their duplicity and their capacity to manipulate the American public and to deceive us. It's right out there. It's right out there.
2: Yeah, and and you know going back to Donald Trump here, um it seems like it's been kind of wild out there in the White House. It seems like uh, allegedly there there's been chaos and and this and that and you know going back thinking about it now. There were rumors of them shouting at each other, the administration, and it is a little, a little humorous, tiny bit there that that the Trump administration has been making about all these lineup changes. like a major league baseball team almost. Jim. Well, well, look,
1: look, look. Here's the deal. I, I mean, I, I was aware of this from the beginning. Donald Trump executed a hostile takeover of the Republican Party. They didn't want him. They didn't support him. They
2: didn't want him at even, all. Yeah.
1: Even even this guy McMaster was a never Trumper. Even McMaster was a never Trumper. He had to win a, a a battle on three fronts. He had to defeat the Democratic Party and the, the Clinton machine. Their totally corrupt candidate, even while they were sabotaging Bernie Sanders. He had to defeat the Republican elites. I mean, remember, he had to defeat 16 other GOP candidates. That's But right. he yeah. also had to defeat the media. That's another and one. this is because the media is dominated by the CIA. They don't want to have a good relations with Russia. It cuts off their gravy train. It's going to cut down on military spending. We're going to have more reasonable foreign policy. They wanted to maintain this thing in Syria. That's a CIA Mossad op in Syria. They want to take out Bashar al-Assad, who is a democratically elected president of Syria. For God's sake, Americans don't seem to understand. That is the Syrian president who was elected by the Syrian people. Think of Syria. We're in here trying to dump Donald Trump, who is a democratically elected president of the United States. Would you go for that? Well, maybe a lot of these people would today because they're so corrupt in their feelings about Trump. But get this, get this. Here's a list. I was just astonished by this, what what Trump has done since he's been in office. Mm -hmm. Supreme Court Judge Gorsuch, 59 missiles dropped in Syria, took us out of the TPP. Illegal immigration now down 70%, the lowest in 17 years. Consumer confidence highest since 2000 in index of 125.6. Mortgage applications for new homes rise to a seven-year high. Range for a 7% to 24% tariff. On lumber from Canada, bids for border wall are well underway, pulled out of the lopsided Paris Accord, Keystone pipeline approval, NATO allies boost, boost spanning by, spending by 4.3%, allowing VA to terminate bad employees, allowing private healthcare choices for veterans, more than 600,000 jobs created, median household income at a seven year high, stock market at the highest ever in history, China agreed to the American import of beef, 89 billion saved in regulation rollbacks, rollback of regulation to boost coal mining moab for ice travel ban reinstated executive order for religious freedom jump-started nasa 600 million cut from un peacekeeping budget targeted ms 13 gangs deporting violent illegal immigrants signed 41 bills to date signed a commission on child trafficking created a commission on voter fraud created a commission for opioid addiction Giving power to states to drug test unemployment uh, recipients, unemployment lowest since May 2007, historic black college university initiative, Women in Entrepreneurship Act, created an office for illegal immigrant crime victims, reverse nod frank, repealed DOT ruling, which would have taken power from local governments for infrastructure planning. Stop. Order to stop crime against law enforcement, end of DAPA program, stop companies from moving out of America, promoted business to create American jobs, Encouraged country to buy again, buy American, hire American, cutting regulations, two for everyone created, review of all trade agreements to make sure they're America first, apprentice program, highest manufacturing surge in three years, $78 promised reinvestment for major businesses like Exxon, Bayer, Apple, SoftBank, Toyota, Denied FBI new building. $700 million saved with F-35 renegotiation. Saved $22 million by reducing White House payroll. Department of Treasury reports $182 billion surplus for April 2017, the second largest in history. Negotiated the release of six U.S. humanitarian r- r- workers held captive in Egypt. Gas prices lowest in more than 12 years. Signed an executive order to promote energy independence and economic growth. Has already accomplished more to stop government interference in government's life than any president. History of America. He has worked with Congress to pass more legislation in his first 100 days than any president. Such Truman, he's given head executives of each branch six months' time, frame dated March 15, 2017, to trim the fact, restructure, and improve efficiency of their branch. Last, he refuses his presidential paycheck, which donated to veterans' issue. Think about it. You're not hearing any of that from the mainstream. You're not hearing that from NBC, CBS, CBC, CNN, MSNBC. CSA, MSNBC, which allegedly represents liberals in this country ought to be overwhelmed with the vast majority of those accomplishments.
2: Yeah, there's been a lot, lots of good done actually, uh, of course with the whole pedophilia thing going on.
1: And uh, that is also going on and that wasn't highlighted here. It but should the, I read, ra- yes. I just rattled up 59. That was number 60. There are an awful lot of pedophile arrests and I'm optimistic that this is really going to, uh, it, it really going to come to a head.
2: And, you know, speaking of which, police found drugs in some sort of raid uh, by someone that owned a a Vatican apartment out there. It was owned by someone who was one of the aides of Pope Francis, one of the key advisors. Yeah.
1: Well, right. That's right. Who was involved in a pedophile raid. Drug use. I mean, the church mm -hmm. goes back. I mean, this has been a chronic problem with the Catholic Church. It really has. It really has been. This is the interesting thing about the Boston Globe. It was a once great paper. You have this movie out there, Spotlight, I watched. It was about them cracking a pedophile ring Mm. in Boston, which, of course, heavily Catholic community, Catholic church, very powerful. Oh, yes. It was a golden era for the Boston Globe. In relation to the Boston bombing, the Globe was tweeting that a demonstration bomb will be set off during the Marathon for the Benefit of Bomb squad activities. It was tweeting that one will be set off in one minute in front of the library. One minute later, one was set off in front of the Boston Public Library. They were in on it. They know the truth. They participated in the phony thing. You had cops on bullhorns calling out, this is a drill. This is a drill. When you zoomed in beneath the smoke, and I'm a former artillery officer in the Marine Corps. I'm telling you, those were puff bombs. They couldn't have killed anybody unless maybe they were sitting on it. You zoom in on the, the, the body's lying there, and yes, they're missing arms and legs, but there is no blood. As, uh, this woman who has had a trauma surgery for San Francisco, Lorraine Day, for 25 years observed, it's physiologically impossible to have arms and legs blown off by explosives and there be no blood. The blood only showed up later, and it came out of a tube. It was Hollywood blood. It never changed color. I was astonished when, uh, Ethan Folkes, who's a Hollywood producer, director, who identified one of the key players as an actor, he'd cast in one of his own films. This is a tall guy with a cowboy hat, Carlos Arredondo. told me they'd actually used a smoke machine. And we poured over the videos and, and the photographs, and we found a studio-quality smoke machine. I was so dumbfounded. I put the picture of the smoke machine on the back of the book, and nobody died in Boston either. The brothers had nothing to do with it. They were Photoshopped into the marathon. They weren't anywhere near there. Uh, one of, one of, uh, Tamerlan, the older brother's friends called him relieved to find he had not been in the vicinity. They had dinner together. He had a beard. The aunt told me you could tell these were photoshopped because Tamerlan had a beard. I asked her to prove it. She sent me photographs of Tamerlan lying in bed with his cat. He had a beard. She sent me a link to footage, uh, footage from a, a, a gymnasium where he and Zoker were working out. He had a beard. He had, ha- had this dinner with his friend. He had a beard. There's, there's convenience store footage where Tamerlan's outside, Zoker's inside, but Tamerlan's got a beard. He's arrested it in Watertown. They strip him naked, put him into a police vehicle. Before they but blocked out his face, he had a beard. When his body shows up with this huge gash in the side, he's still got the beard. They fake the whole, the whole damn thing. I mean, this really pisses me off because the police were in on it. The mayor was in on it. Uh, the judge and the jury, this was a completely phony, contrived, uh, show trial. Uh, Zoker had nothing to do with it. Then they made a completely phony, baloney movie about it called Patriots Day. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Made up a, co- see, see, once you have Tamerlan arrested by the police, I mean, I could identify, but he was also identified by Zant and by his mother. Yeah. Once he's arrested by the police, how does Zoker kill him? He's in police custody. We have a witness that said she saw him be driven over three times in a black SUV by the police. But so so you know, Zoker's eventually taken in a boat. They they fire hundreds of rounds, they're clearly trying to kill him. They don't kill him. When he gets out, they throw him on the ground and they seem to slit his vocal cord so he can't talk. That's a real nice touch. One <laughs> of the evidence yes. they introduce in court is what's supposed to be a confession that he wrote out on the inside of the boat. Well, let me tell you something about that. The boat has a curved surface, and it's made out of fiberglass. The the confession they showed had perfectly spaced lines. I I mean, Leonardo couldn't have done better, and it requires a special implement to write on fiberglass. Do you think Zoker escaping the police had one of these special implements to write on fiberglass? I'm telling you, the second half of that book, which exp- just takes apart the trial and all the shenanigans is even more important than the first part, which we demonstrate conclusively. The brothers had nothing to do with it. They were completely framed. I asked a retired professor of law what was the most powerful evidence that we had accumulated. He said to me it was that the backpacks don't match. Both the FBI, in its inquiry and even in the indictment for trial, said the two backpacks that exploded were in black and nylon, the, the black nylon. But when they Photoshop the, the these kids into the marathon, neither of them is wearing a black nylon backpack. In fact, we have photos and, and videos of these, the real perps who placed the bombs. They were from Kraft International. They were, this is a private army like Blackwater. They were wearing khaki trousers and black jackets, black baseball bats, caps, with a skull insignia. The motto of, of Kraft is, violence does solve problems. We got two of these guys heading to the location where one of the bombs exploded. One is wearing a black nylon backpack with a white square on the sewn onto it. The black pack that explodes is a black nylon backpack with a white square. Then he's rushing away, no longer wearing the black nylon backpack with a white square. Gee, I wonder who did it. This is so insulting. This is so insulting, Michael. The government wants us to believe this drivel. The United States government is an embarrassment. The United States government is totally corrupt. The United States government is the world's biggest goddamn liar. I am embarrassed and ashamed of the government of the United States.
0: Sorry about that. I don't
2: know. And
1: I'm a former Marine Corps officer who proudly served my country.
2: By the way, Jim, I, I got cut off there for a moment. I apologize.
1: Oh, that's no problem. Yeah, I don't know what you're. Just you're speechless at the ferocity of uh. my statement, but I'm telling you, that's a hundred percent guaranteed, well justified, totally, totally true.
2: Oh yes. And I agree with you 100%, no doubt. And um, we are coming to a close here, and I, I do want to ask you just a few more things. As you know, tensions with North Korea are definitely building up. Yeah. Um, how do you see that playing Well,
1: it's just silly. We have the ability. We have laser-mounted weapons on satellites and laser weapons on satellites. We can take out their missiles before they launch. Actually, we did that several times. You read read about all those mishaps where their missile blew up on the launching pad. Well, we did it. It Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no threat from North Korea, completely contrived. There's also no threat from Iran. That's completely insane. Iran is a peace-loving country that hasn't launched a war of aggression against another nation since 1775. Just to get put that in perspective, the ratification of the Constitution began 1787. George Washington was elected president in 1789. Since longer than the United States has existed as a a constitutional republic, Iran has not attacked any other nation. This is one of the most honorable countries in the whole world, unlike the United States. And all the Russian hostility and animosity completely contrived. They passed sanctions. Against Russia for, for, for hacking that didn't take place. They didn't even have the wherewithal to conduct an investigation to determine the basis for the sanctions. And they have, have, have put him in a straitjacket where the Donald can't even relieve the sanction without going back to Congress. This is totally corrupt. It reflects the role of Israel. Uh, Cynthia McKinney reflected, uh, explained long ago, a couple of years ago, that when a new member of Congress comes to Washington, they're asked to sign a pledge to put the interests of Israel ahead of those of the United States. And those who refuse find themselves confronted with a well-financed alternative candidate or that their district has been redrawn and they no longer have a seat. Cynthia yeah, I've was heard able her. To I've both, both. I've heard of her both. say
2: that. Yeah. I've heard her say that on this very show. That's just disgusting. That's crazy. Michael. I didn't. Yeah.
1: What was the latest? Oh, you know, the, 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 <clears throat> the attempts to, uh, defeat, uh, trade co- commerce with Israel. You know, the, the banning, the, the sanction thing, the, the testament and all that, you know, mm-hmm. very worthy movement. Would you believe, uh, uh, nearly half of the Senate and a huge number of the House want to make it illegal to, to participate in the ban of, of Israel for, uh, commercial products for its treatment, ill treatment of Palestine, Palestine? They want to make it illegal with a 250,000 penalty uh, uh, and as much as 20 years in jail. That's outrageous. Freedom, speech, outrageous. freedom of speech, Michael. Freedom of speech. You, if you want to know a single example of the disgusting state of the United States today, there it is.
2: Yes. And I, I believe that is the current update and in, in the state of what we have in the whole political spectrum in today's current age. And it, it's quite astonishing, really. And that's why I say that this time right now, even though times are a little dark and grim, these are very entertaining times in, in politics and in, in this world.
1: Well, entertaining, yes. What's well, the adage? You know, may, may you not live in interesting times. We live in interesting times because too many bad things are going on, Michael. That's right.
2: Too many bad things are going on, and it, it worries me dearly. It seems like no one knows exactly what's going to happen next.
1: Well, here's a projection. Nancy Pelosi could soon be the Speaker of the House and that should freak you out.
2: That does freak me out. I, I, my goodness, I hope that's not true.
1: Listen, I'm telling you, when I discovered that Nancy Pelosi's daughter was the elector from California who was leading the defection program, which eventually lost to the, led to two losses for Trump in Texas, but five for Hillary, including four in the state of Washington, uh, three of whom voted for Bernie Sanders, one of whom was a Native American who would have made a better president than Hillary. Uh, I speculated that Nancy might be involved in Pizzagate because that would be her motivation for not wanting Trump elected. When I looked into the matter, I discovered, lo and behold, she has a pizzeria. Goat Hill Pizza in San Francisco, oh, no. uh, 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 someone listening to me discuss it went there and took photographs of the inside. And unlike any other pizza, the walls are all plastered with drawings and letters from children. And there are three or four men looking there who didn't seem to me to be waiting for their uh, sausage and pepperoni.
2: That's pretty frightening right there.
1: I believe that these elderly women, Hillary Clinton, Nancy Pelosi and others, believe they are rejuvenated by drinking the blood of children.
2: You know that's not the first time I heard that. You could also add Barbara Boxer to that list. And
1: I don't know about <laughs> Diane Feinstein who is an Israel first or two. Barbara was pretty reasonable I thought, but it may very well be. I mean this is all this is the greatest scandal in American history once it's eventually laid out. And this is why they're so ferocious in trying to stop the Trump administration because they're all you know Hillary said after she did a she did a, a town hall meeting with uh who, who's on, you know, Good Morning America, the bald guy, you know, Lauer, is it, is it, uh, he, he had asked her a question that hadn't been vetted. I mean, actually it turned out Donna Brazil gave her questions that were going to be asked, but, uh, uh, Lauer asked her a question that hadn't been vetted. She was really pissed off when she came out and she's chewed up her staff and she said, if, if, if he wins, our heads will all be in nooses. Hillary knows the depth of her corruption, the crime she's committed. I mean, this is reminiscent of George H.W. Bush saying, if the people knew what we'd done to this country, they'd <laughs> right. just down the street and lynch us. Uh, That's agree. the quality of leadership we have in this country today. It's, it's appalling, appalling. Yep, it,
2: it truly is. And, Jim, I must say, by virtue, it's always an honor and privilege to have you on this program, and I thank you tremendously for being here with me tonight, with all of us here tonight. Uh, please go ahead and, and plug your website and, and your show or any upcoming seminars you might be doing in the near future.
1: I just want to plug this one article, uh, you know, that uh, a new angle on Sandy Hook, because it's so revealing. Carl Herman did an absolutely brilliant job. This guy's fantastic. Uh New angle on the Sandy Hook shooting hoax. Track it down. Go to my blog. The article is also there. Uh, you, you, you click on the title to get you to the right page. Uh, JamesFetzer.blogspot.com. I do have the radio show, The Rod Deal, Tuesday, Thursday, from 8 to 10 Eastern time on Rents Radio. Just go to Rents Radio at 8 p.m. on Eastern. Two-hour shows, and the second hours are all call-in. So I'm really disappointed we didn't get all those callers in tonight, Michael, because I love having callers yeah, in second was, hours of my shows, which went to two hours just mm-hmm. this year.
2: It was my so, fault, though, Jim. The the numbers and the lines were all screwed up. It, it was my fault. I haven't set them well, up Well, Michael, it wasn't
1: necessarily – I'm telling you, they interview with my appearances all the time. They're taking down my videos – now regular as clockwork it's completely disgusting what's going on behind the scene. Oh yes. Uh, we we no longer live in a in a free a country where we can exercise freedom of speech and freedom of inquiry. It's all micromanaged and uh, we're in the hands the grip of a massive tyranny. If Donald Trump were allowed to do his thing, uh, I had hope. I haven't quite given up the ghost that he would make changes. You heard Sixty things he's done uh, yeah. that, do not, that aren't being reported. It's a pretty impressive list. It was, actually. Let, let us only hope he survives to do more. I also do a show, by the way, called The Conspiracy Guy. This is on PRN.FM. This is Gary Knowles' radio network. Very impressive. Nice. That's from uh, 8 to 9 p.m. Wednesday night. If you go to conspiracyguy.podbean.com, You'll find the archives for all of my conspiracy guy shows. Excellent. And just as a final, mm-hmm. go to moonrockbooks.com. That's where I've got all these books with all these experts. There's no point in our doing all the research if nobody benefits from it. Go to moonrockbooks.com. Books on JFK, 9-11, Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, Orlando and Dallas, even, uh, uh, a hundred photographs of Hillary and her body doubles. I mean, this is, uh, a nasty piece of work that goes by the name of Hillary Clinton.
2: Oh, my, yes. And, of course, you can find that link also on on michaeldeacon.com. If you are lost, it's right there, too. You are one of our affiliates, and I'm proud to say that.
1: Well, you're a good guy, Michael. I really enjoy being on with you. You're very, very calm, measured, rational, very objective, wonderful. I always enjoy being on your show.
2: Clockwise, Jim, you do a fantastic job on your show, The Raw Deal, which I'm a big fan of. Terrific, damn, terrific! Damn good job tonight, Jim. Always an honor and, and privilege to talk to you, and we'll definitely touch base again in the very near future.
1: Thanks, Michael. My great pleasure. Let's hope this show isn't also knocked off the air by YouTube or Google. Uh, uh, we, well, if it does, we,
0: I'll, if it
2: does, I'll re-upload it. It's all good. We
1: know what we're up against, Michael.
2: Oh yes, the the monster in the shadows.
1: Thanks very much.
2: All right, Jim. Take care. And that was my guest, Jim Fetzer amazing job uh, an amazing interview there uh, always always fun to talk to Jim always fun looking at the time and it seems like it is that glorious time for a break I went a little longer but that's not so bad stay tuned I hear
0: the whispers. I see traps to break my You're much too late. You're much too late. You're much too late. You're much too. Late.
2: And welcome back to the program, often imitated but never duplicated, as you already know. Hi, I'm Michael Deacon, and we are indeed live right now on the TuneIn Radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find the 24-7 network. Also, you can find this program on YouTube by searching End of Days. Just click that little channel tab there and you'll find the program. Very easy. Guten Morgen to... The German listeners out there, I can see you now. I can see you all through your webcams. I'm kidding. Also, our brothers in Canada are back. I've seen them jumping around here, and I also must say, I I was supposed to be joined by Grant Cameron here on the second half of this program. However, he's gone. I think he might have fallen asleep during the break. All that music. Love the music, by the way. I drift away when I listen to the music myself. On the last show, I mentioned to my guest, Robert Stanley, that our interview was, well, that wasn't exactly my last guest, the previous guest before David Sarita. I did mention to Robert Stanley that our interview was going to catch some heat. And it did. A number of angry people on YouTube and various websites, various emails, all of that. I also had talked about, Chester Bennington, former singer of Linkin Park. I got emails about that. Some people were pissed off. It was too soon, they told me. Too soon. I kept hearing that. How soon is too soon? I don't believe I said anything wrong. I expressed my unpopular opinion. I even said I I cared about human life. And I feel for his family and friends and everyone close around him. I just said I wasn't a fan of his band. Big deal, big effing deal. By the way, if you want to call in, that number is seven six zero three three two eight seven twenty four. That number, in fact, is working. One more time, seven six zero three three two eight seven twenty four. If you want to call in, go ahead and do so, or just sit back. It's fine. It's all good. So yes, very, very angry people out there with me. I just dislike the total fake media personality personalities out there, the musicians out there who say the totally fake things about these bands that I'm pretty sure were given to them by their PR. Again, I always found it, or I, I find it interesting, rather, that no one complained about my comments about Hanson or that damn Mark McGrath, the big shot Mark McGrath. <laughs> oh, my. What a coward. He could have called in and got a verbal lashing if he wanted one. I was more than prepared to take him on if he had an issue with me making fun of his band. Or his tour, rather. It was a goof. I I was just joking, really. I don't actually hate Mark McGrath. I really don't. Again, many moons ago, if if you don't already know, I got into it with one of his fans and told them I was going to talk about his latest tour. I believe it was called Under the Sun. Under the Sun Tour back in uh 2014 with Sugar Ray, Smash Mouth, Blues Traveler and Uncle Cracker. <laughs> uh do you remember that? Uncle Cracker, my god. Under the Sun Tour. Really? That that's what they named it. That's like the worst late 90s or early 2000s band uh compiled under the sun. It's terrible, really. Terrible. So one of his fans didn't like any of that and, of course, stooched me off to Mark McGrath himself. And apparently he actually saw my inflammatory remarks I made about his tour. He, of course, proceeded to block me on Twitter. I must have hit a nerve. I think that's probably what happened. By the way, there's good music out there. Good modern music is out there. You can discover plenty of good music through SoundCloud. Although SoundCloud, I, I don't believe has ever really compensated its top content producers out there. And if they have, it's been very little from my understanding. That, of course, brings me to the whole iTunes issue. Before I forget, I haven't been focusing all that much on iTunes and and SoundCloud, rather. I've been trying to get everyone to focus on the YouTube channel. Definitely subscribe if you haven't. Don't worry, I'll get back on iTunes quickly here. Also, here's another sad reality that will touch on a few nerves. I talk a lot about conspiracies and this and that and the other. I must tell you, though, folks, I feel a bit embarrassed for those who jump on every conspiracy bandwagon there is. There are people out there who believe every single thing they read and hear. They are completely gullible, really. Most people out there have never had an original idea in their lives. I'm telling you. You know those people, too. It's tremendous. I feel sorry if you are listening to this right now and you're one of those people or you have someone like that in your life. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm telling you right now. That sort of behavior will cause damage in your personal lives, boys and girls. Oh, yes, in your relationships. Don't worry. There's always dating websites for you, crazy people out there, many subcategories out there, conspiracy, date. (laughs) Paranormal Date. You got Farmers Only. I'm telling you, the list goes on and on. I still wonder which host from uh, Coast to Coast AM is a member of Paranormal Date. There's got to be someone I want to know. that That's really what I think a lot of people really want to know. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Crawling along I go, another beautiful Saturday night here. Wrapping up, I must thank uh, my advertiser, Ocotillo Liquor. My God... Great people out there. They are, of course, located out here in the wastelands of El Centro, California. They got everything there. Fantastic people. They're top talent. No doubt. No doubt. That number is 760-332-8724. One more time. 760-332-8724. That's the previous number. I was using it a couple months ago, but... Seems to be working today, so one more time. Seven six zero three three two eighty seven twenty four. Or on Skype, end of days Mike. And that's all one word. And of course, that's why instead of I and Mike. I'm looking at this uh bit of news here, I don't want to get into that anymore. Let's move along from that. Bit of a downer there. But of course, speaking on downers, oh before I could even get into that someone's calling in caller are you alive
3: Mike I am alive this is Dave on the East Coast
2: Dave what's going on what's happening out there in the East Coast
3: you know we're uh it's the dog days of summer I'm out here outside of DC and the president's on vacay Congress isn't doing their job they went home so it's, <laughs> it's a it's a wasteland <laughs> here not just El Centro
2: oh my yes it, it certainly sounds like it indeed and did you enjoy the first interview there
3: I did I did. I liked it a lot. I wish I could have talked to Jim uh, one-on-one, but hey, technology stuff happens. I get uh, it.
2: Ah, Yes. I'm not sure exactly what happened there, but he wasn't able to hear you, and that made me sad. I really wanted you guys to uh, get
3: into it there for a bit. It it, it would have been a rumble in the jungle.
2: It really would have. It really would have, and I think he oh. was fired up, and, and he would have uh, taken <laughs> you on
3: you relayed my question beautifully so that was good
2: okay awesome I'm, I'm glad I did because I was kind of uncertain if I did or did not
3: I know I, you, you you nailed it but I do have to tell you that my friend who is a journalist as am I both yes. in the aerospace industry I grilled him with questions from 9-11 on that day and I asked him to tell me specifically God. I interviewed him like I would a source and I asked him to ask me oh well, I asked him to tell me specifically what he saw, and he was so close to the Pentagon, he saw an American Airlines 757 go into the building. My goodness. He saw it. So he saw Not it. Not veer up and go over the top of it, or anything like that. He saw it go into the building. So, mm-hmm. I i mean, I really wish I could have talked to Jim about that.
2: You know, I really wish you could have too, and I'm gonna get this issue fixed, uh, the next time out. I, I'm definitely gonna focus on that. Um, tomorrow when I wake up, I'm gonna get right on it. Oh, well, that's awesome. Oh, cool. Very cool Yeah, a lot of people were calling in actually and I feel bad and and I apologize folks um, For those out there who called in I know
3: many of you did. It was good I just I thought the interview was very good. Can I give you a suggestion for a program?
0: Sure. Go ahead
3: uh, You may have done you may have done this already, but uh It's, it's made a lot of news this last week this whole Cal exit movement in your state.
0: Oh, God, yes.
3: And the referendum that they're trying to get on the next ballot to, you know, begin a secession process. It was even uh on uh Tucker Carlson this week on Fox <laughs> on Prime Time. They devoted an entire segment.
2: Tucker Carlson, yeah. my goodness. Some
3: batshit crazy guy.
2: You know, Tucker Carlson, I must say, that guy really looked out once Bill Riley got let go. Yeah. He took that opportunity and ran with it.
3: He did.
2: Yeah, and I, did. I give him credit though. You know, got to give him a little bit of credit.
3: Oh no, absolutely. He's a very smart guy. Very. I've met him once before out here at a National Press Club event, and he's very bright.
2: I, I like to make fun of that whole little face that he makes when he's just talking to a guest. <laughs> it's like his face that he makes when when the wheels are turning in his head. It's pretty awesome. I, I like that.
3: Yeah, it is good. I have to admit, it's very good. I lose it every time.
2: I, I can't even, I, I can't watch that show at all without laughing at him.
3: He does, I mean, and he does have kind of that Muppet hair, which is kind of funny.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I don't dislike him. I just think he's a character. That's
3: all. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I agree with you. I will tell you that he did a really good job. You can look at it on YouTube. It's very compelling, the interview he had with this Cal Exit guy.
2: Yes, I'll, I'll look into that. It's just, I've been kind of Staying away from issues um, that relate to California, I've been a little bit of embarrassed, really. Um, Usually I go after Florida to try to avoid (laughs) talking about California here, Uh, all the oh my goodness it, it is quite embarrassing to
0: live here at times
2: i'll be and honest
3: hey, listen it's it embarrassing here we just had somebody that uh in my state of maryland here outside of dc we just had somebody uh start a whole big controversy that the maryland state flag is also racist and confederate and needs to be changed
2: uh, everything's racist nowadays
3: oh it's terrible uh, what they're doing here though mike is really kind of sick and kind of depressing really, is that they are removing history, removing it mm-hmm. like, like you would in a, in a fascistic nation or, or a totalitarian nation where, you know, if that statue offends you, we're going to remove it. It's going to go in the basement of a museum. They're even talking about removing headstones of Confederate soldiers in national cemeteries out here, Gettysburg, Antietam. I mean, this is unbelievable to me that we live in such a time.
0: Yeah,
2: that should just be left alone. What's the point? Because
3: it it did happen. In fact, it it did happen.
2: um, Yeah, but you know what I mean. It's like, what's the point of that? It's you're messing with issues that are long gone already.
3: Right, but but they're they're issues that were. We're there, that our country argued about these issues, and like you said, we got past it. Yeah. But do we not remind people of what the argument was? That is our history.
2: Sure, sure, we don't, there's no issue in that. I just think some people get offended about anything really nowadays.
3: So listen, it's not just California, it's not just Florida, it's everywhere.
2: Yes. Yeah, so, also, Dave, <laughs> I, I I wanted to ask you can can you tell the audience a little bit about you? you you've been listening to the program for a while now, and I'm also curious about you. You're one intelligent fella.
3: And no, I don't know about that, but you know, I just play one on TV. Although I'm not <laughs> really on TV, I just make that joke. Um, I've been a journalist all, all of my life, mostly in trade journalism. For those who don't know, trade journalism is, uh, uh. Coverage of a very specific area. For me, it's aerospace and defense and the satellite industry. And I write things that go to people's offices. That's what trade journalism is. It's business to business journalism. As opposed to, um, writing something and have it go to somebody's home in a newspaper or a magazine or a website. That's, uh, uh, that's called consumer journalism. So I've been a, a trade journalist for many, many years, 25 years, specializing in aerospace and defense. And I love, uh, I'm obviously living out here in the DC area, love, um, politics and the national issues, but I also love the paranormal. Love, love, love nice. it. Nice. And I've had, um first-hand experiences with uh, spirits and apparitions. Really vivid, unbelievable unbelievable ones.
0: Did this
2: start? Never, never seen a,
3: never, I've mm-hmm. never seen a Bigfoot, never seen a UFO, but I have had, I have had ghostly experiences first-hand.
2: And when did that begin? Were you a young boy when that happened?
3: Wow, that's a good question. Do you know what? It it was later in life. Ah. It was much later. It was, you know, into my thirties and forties. Yes. Which it had, you know, it's kind of like when people have like late onset allergies, you know, they weren't allergic to peanuts when they were a kid, but they've gotten older and they've got peanut allergies. Let
2: let me ask you this, however, Uh, growing up, you don't, you don't ever remember a time, you don't ever recall a time rather that you perhaps maybe experienced old hag syndrome. Sleep Well, sleep paralysis, in other words.
3: Oh, 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 no, 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 no.
2: Nothing like that?
3: Although I've been called an old hag before, uh-huh. but I've never had the syndrome. <laughs>
0: I love that.
2: <laughs> yeah, and you know I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> so glad you brought that up. Yeah, l- let me get into this issue with you here. Um, I've been very vocal on Caitlyn Jenner, and yeah. I've actually gotten some emails. Some people were actually pretty pissed off about what I've been saying. Um, some people took issue when I said, um, what, what exactly? Oh, I remember now. Yes, I had mentioned uh, about about Bruce Bruce Jenner. I, I said if I said I don't know if if I could really go with with that, go through with all of that. Kendall is that her name?
0: Kendall Jenner.
2: Yes, I recall there there was some clip I saw on the internet where she's having like some sort of hard time. Accepting her father going through that, and oh yes, yes, yes,
3: yes. You know,
2: I I thought that about my own father. I, I I thought, what if what if that was my dad? Would I be able to accept that? And you know, I I don't know. I I mean, I ultimately I would because that's my biological father. I would definitely love him regardless, but I would still think, my goodness, what's going on in this man's head?
3: Confusing, and it's it's a real stretch and a real reach to try to get your head around it. I myself am a gay man. I've got a 21 yes. year old daughter, um, and so I've kind of lived on both sides of the fence. If, if, that, if this is, you, is if why that, I'm asking that metaphor. You. Yes, yes. And even for me, even for me, a member of the LGBT community. Although I, I lean on the conservative side, but right. even, even myself have sometimes a really hard time with the whole transgender issue. Although having said that, I do think that when reasonable minds come together across a table, and let's talk the, the Jenners in this case, mm-hmm. across the family dinner table, when they had that family dinner table, you can work, th- families have the, an amazing resiliency to work through I think, just about anything. No that can doubt.
0: Happen. No doubt.
3: And if you have qualified counselors that get involved with this, with the kids, and it's very, I, I, I have to think it's got to be unbelievably tough. Upstairs. It's got
2: to be hard,
3: yeah. Really, really difficult. It's got to be hope. tough. Um, but if you, if you get a qualified professional who knows what they're doing and, and can handle the issues up from the person who's transitioning side and, and his or her former fam- current family, if you do that, it doesn't have to be a disaster. It doesn't have to be. And this this is independent of money or fame or the ability to pay. There's lots of services out there to help people, but this is a tough issue to get your head around. It really is. Even I have problems with it.
2: Yeah, and I understand that it's probably very difficult for you, especially at this uh, point in time, in this era that we live in. Uh, Of course, you had Trump out there doing the whole ban Um, with with the military, the transgender military ban. What's your opinion on that? Caitlyn Jenner also was very vocal about that too.
3: Yeah, she was. Yes, she was. I Mm -hmm. I lead. I I lead. I lean on the side of listening to what the generals have to say, and I, I recognize that based on some of the reporting I've read. Even the generals were split on some of this with maybe the Navy and the the Air Force and maybe even Coast Guard being on one side saying they don't mind having transgender people serve actively, uh, you know, in on, on duty. That's not really the my army yeah, and the Marine Corps uh, opposing it.
2: That, that's really not my fight either, to be honest with you. I, I don't I don't really care uh, about that in, in the in, in the terms that. Um, whether or not I would actually care if there was a transgender uh, person next to me. If they have arms and and legs and know how to shoot a gun and are rational thinkers, uh, I don't care.
3: I don't either, because here's what I do care about. Mm-hmm. I don't want the uh, – this is my political opinion. I don't no want problem. U.S. taxpayers paying for transition surgery.
2: And that's what's going to happen, correct? Or I think that's so. what they want
3: how they, to happen. All that it will take is one lawsuit – from a soldier to sue for that right or benefit, and that will then set a court precedent, and that basically is the de facto law. That will be law. And I Wait, think that you could have a certain segment of the population, mm-hmm. perhaps it's the minority segment of the of the transgender population, using the armed forces as their funding mechanism to get the surgery.
0: Yeah,
2: I, I've heard that, of course. That's about. Do you think that was going on
0: a lot?
3: not a lot no but i i do think it was going on but small not percent, a lot i okay. think it was a, a minority of, of, of small the small percentage people who okay. were serving
2: okay understood understood i just want and i, and I mm-hmm. support
3: i i do support them serving like like you do i i do sure but i think it's also very awkward if you're going to have and this goes back to the you know the bathroom issue in locker rooms yeah, and I, high um... schools and everything what do you do when somebody when the law is written that says mm-hmm. Independent of what your physical anatomy looks like, when you wake up one morning and you say, I'm a girl, I'm a girl today, the law says you can shower with the girls, now you're a boy still on the outside, but on the inside you're a girl, you can go shower with the girls, and you can go to the bathroom with the girls. Now as a father of a daughter, when she was in junior, uh, middle school and high school, oh, I would have fought that tooth and nail.
0: Yeah. I understand.
3: A 14 year old boy who's anatomically a boy, feeling like he's a girl and going in and showering with the girls? No.
2: no. Yeah, that's the, I'm not sure if I that's would be comfortable with that myself.
3: I'm not either, and I'm a dad, and I would not be comfortable with that. Yeah, I don't, I'm no, not if, a parent. You know, post-op, uh-huh. post-surgery, which most kids are not, right. but you know, but you're in, getting back to the armed services. If you're already, you already post-surgery, you're post-op, you've transitioned, you're in the military serving honorably, Great, shower with the guys if you're a guy, cause guess what, you're a guy. Right. And... Et cetera, et cetera. But mm-hmm. if you're not, if you've got an Audi and you want to go shower with those who have an Innie, I got a problem with that.
2: Understood, yes.
3: And I have a problem with it, with combat, combat, um cohesiveness. And unit cohesiveness.
2: But, but, by, by the way, now I'm curious, uh, and I hope, yeah. I hope you don't mind me asking this question. Um, Ask away. Okay, how old is your daughter, by the way?
3: She is 22.
2: Okay, she's 22.
3: She's a kindergarten school teacher here in Maryland outside of D.C.
2: And when when she was growing up, you would take her to school by herself, correct? Yes. And did any of the other parents ever, you know how other parents are, did they try to dig in there and, and see what they found?
3: Um, You know, really not because it, it was in an era where things had already become more Liberal, well, not with a capital L, not like liberal conservative, but liberal being open-minded. This yes. was, you know, just prior to um, all the gay marriage and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, the Equality March had achieved a lot of its aims already. And in the D.C. area, Mike, around this area, it's very liberal with a capital L. Um, and so that wasn't an issue I ever had to face.
2: Sure. It's just, you know, how parents are. They are very nosy in the want to beat you with 20 questions every time. I recall picking up uh, my aunt's daughter um, many years ago, and I recall just being bombarded with with questions about if I'm married, if I'm this, if I'm that. It was kind of unusual, to be honest with you. So I just thought perhaps uh, maybe you might have gone through something like that.
3: I, I haven't, and believe me, if I did, I, I would be happy to relay a, oh, you know, yeah, a okay. story about an anecdote, mm-hmm. but I really never did. I, I received, I got total acceptance.
0: That's good. Well,
3: quickly. It was, it was, and I will say, That's good. even for the time, this was, you know, this was the mid-90s. No, no, no. Mid-2000s. I'm sorry. This is mid-2000s when she was school of school age, and I was dropping her off. It, by that time, it, things had changed considerably already. Nice. Socially, within mm-hmm. the within the culture, understood. So I, I kind of was the beneficiary of all those parents, male and female, who had come out later in life, who had gone before me and maybe taken more arrows in their back. I never had that. Understood. Yes. Now, now, had this been Birmingham, Alabama, not any flight to Alabama, right. Or you know, some place that was a little bit less along the acceptance curve maybe that could have been an issue for me during yeah. that period but here in the dc area it, it wasn't it's pretty liberal there <laughs> yes
2: yeah by the way I, i've always wondered what everyone's opinion is on, on jaden smith uh, of course that's will smith's son mm-hmm. the actor what do you think's going on with with jaden smith do you think he's actually trolling the the people out there or if, or is he legit with
0: what he says
3: he, having grown up in the, in the entertainment community all of his life, and observed not only how his parents were able to generate headlines, both positive and negative, but, you know, publicity is publicity, and how friends of theirs were able to do it, I think that he inevitably just learned how to manipulate the entertainment media, the entertainment press, the trade press in the entertainment field, um, in order to stay relevant. You're
0: probably right on
3: that. I think it's i think he's just being manipulative you but not in an would. evil way in a like an automatic way that's all he knows he's he, he grew up seeing that
0: yes i
2: know, it's you know and, and if he was a
3: good quiet little boy he wouldn't be in teen people
2: i was watching a movie with will smith and i recalled he had a son and i just thought what 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 was going on with with will smith and his son uh jaden smith it's such a strange family in my opinion
3: I do. Yeah, I think it is non non-conventional. It's a little <laughs> it's odd. strange.
0: Yeah, it's a little odd.
3: But you know what? That oddity, that uniqueness, my guess helps drive. It's going to help him into, somewhere in his career. It helps yeah. him get parts.
2: That, and I think it's going to help him do something later on creatively that should be probably interesting. So, gotta wait and find exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. i
3: Oh no, I have one question for you. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. When are you going to finally be able to get? I oh, I remember his name now. When is Corey Feldman going to be on?
0: Oh my God. Yeah. You know, he
2: is very, you do this. he's very well aware of the program. <laughs> and I recall a few people have emailed him and, and he said he has been kind of busy. So,
3: has, oh man, yeah. that would be an epic, epic museum of broadcasting program.
2: I'll, I'll eventually get him on here <laughs> uh, eventually. There, there's a few guests that I, I'm planning to bring on that Will blow some people away. Oh, good! Yes, it's 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 pretty wild. Some of the people I've um, um lining up here.
3: You know, I, I will. I want to give you a compliment as well, which is to say that when you have some of your guests on and they are, you know, very controversial, you know, they're the master Satanist of North America or, you know, very controversial people that would just by who they are generate a lot of heat. I think you handle them really well, very objectively.
0: I think um, I think they're afraid of
2: me.
3: I think so. Well yeah, I do I, I think so.
2: I think they know I'm insane. <laughs> so you know, they're not really trying to they're not really trying to mess with me at all. I, I think they know I could turn it on and it it's over.
3: Well, they don't want to trigger you because they know what happens when that happens.
2: Oh, they, I think they already know. They, they jump on this program <laughs> knowing that, um any moment in time, I could just get triggered and it's, it's, it's over.
3: <laughs> the word is on the street.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm kind of insane. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest.
3: I, I, I'll tell you, I've taken out trigger insurance when I listen to the program, just so you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really appreciate that. Yes, you you got to be careful and safe and cover all your bases out there, Dave.
3: Exactly. And by the way, just to just so that you uh, you know get your opportunity to drink copious amounts of alcohol live on the air when you hit a thousand uh, followers on YouTube, oh, it's I'm so gonna close. go create a bunch of pseudonyms. I'm gonna follow you all at once.
2: Oh my. I hope so. That sounds amazing. By the way, when that happens, are you going to be drinking with me?
3: Yes, of course.
2: Awesome. I invite course, everyone.
3: We're going to have to choose a word, though. Every time you say a certain word, that everybody drinks.
0: Oh, okay. We could play
2: that.
3: We're going to have to get a Deacon, a Deacon program drinking game.
2: We'll get something going, yes.
3: A DPDG.
2: Good idea. Good idea.
3: Beautiful. And by the way... All right, well, I don't want to take up any more of your time, because I know you've got others, and it's getting late, and... Blah,
2: blah, blah. i not really. I was just going to say a few things before I wrap, wrap it up here, but I, I did have one more question uh, to ask. Ask away. Yes. I, I was curious. Um, yeah. is there another name out there that you want to hear on this program?
3: Um, well, you know, Corey Feldman, of course. Aside from him. Um, oh, wow, that's a good question. Have you had in, uh, in your distant past, I mean, I'm a long time recent listener, but, but right. prior to that, have you done anything with any of the astronauts in the NASA astronaut corps who claim that they have, uh, first hand knowledge of UFOs?
0: Uh, no,
2: I haven't. The only person I ever reached out to was Edgar Mitchell, and there was lots of controversy uh, about how that ended up uh, not happening. Okay. Yeah, I don't really want to tell that story on air no 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 because no, it, no. It, i don't want people to think negatively about me more so than they probably already do <laughs> but i could reassure you that it was not any of my fault it was the people who handle or handled edgar mitchell's uh pr um let's just say they were asking for something and i thought it was completely outrageous
3: that's a- that they were asking that they should know how the game is played. They should the game know. of inter- interviewing and public appearances. They should mm, know better.
2: They should know plenty better. And I was just completely baffled by that. So oh, wow, yeah, I don't know what else to say. But yeah, he was well, the uh, only guy.
3: I will, I will look into a couple of contacts that I have at NASA as well on the on the astronaut core side because there's more than just Edgar Mitchell
2: yeah there's plenty of them out there that are there's, still in the there's game There's
3: plenty of them yeah and i I just saw I don't know if you ever watched the live international space Station YouTube feed. I sure have the camera that they keep on all the time. you know
2: I watch that of course
3: yeah, so do I I got keep it on in the background I toggle back and forth mm-hmm. um just just yesterday, there was a very, very strange i don't know what it was some it was it was an object, it looked like a, a craft. And it went right by the camera, and NASA did not cut the camera off like they normally do.
0: Oh wow!
2: They're
3: such hoaxers. Mm-hmm. Cool. And it was just very, very compelling. So those guys up there and, and women up there at the station—they are not alone.
2: Yes, I
0: agree.
3: They are not there's alone. There's something up there. Yeah, exactly. If can you can get one of these astronauts on that is willing to talk, and there's only a couple of them that will. And I'll tell you why. Here's an interesting little anecdote, and I promise I'll let you go. No problem. Um, If if these astronauts, just like airplane pilots, captains of airliners that have a long career, they risk damaging their careers and their legacy if they speak out, not only as it's written in the history books and how they'll be diminished by NASA, it's an active campaign. Um, to, you know, sublimate what they have to say for others who will toe the company line and, you know, put their remarks above theirs, they also suffer financially. They don't get the convention bookings, the book deals, uh, TV appearances. They just don't get them.
0: Yes,
2: and, and, and furthermore. That's a very
3: powerful motivator to mm-hmm. not talk.
2: And And to just add more to that. Dr. Albert Taylor, another guy who was involved in the Star Wars Initiative, Ronald Reagan Star Wars Initiative, with uh, all all of that. And he, of course, couldn't disclose everything that he knows. And even back then, we had this advanced technology that was beyond our comprehension even back then. So I could only imagine what we have
0: today that's just in the shadows.
3: Oh, exactly. The rule of thumb that I've been told, and again, you know, being an aerospace journalist, this is what I've been told from, by sources, multiple sources, um, the rule of thumb is we are witnessing live today in, in 2017 technology that was on the drawing boards 30 years ago.
0: Correct. That's true.
3: 30 years ago. I agree. So they are now working in 2017 on technology that will be dazzling us in 2047.
2: Awesome. Definitely try it's to.
3: Always a, it's a 30-year lag.
2: Definitely try to get someone from NASA on on this program. I would really appreciate that. We got a lot to discuss.
3: It would be awesome. Offline, I'll try to I'll try to get in touch with you and um, you know send you some contacts.
2: Perfect. I I would really appreciate that, Dave.
3: Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. It's good to finally talk with you as well after so many, I know, many right? months on Twitter.
2: Jesus, I know. I'm so glad you called in. I, I really do appreciate your, your call here.
3: Well, I promised you I would.
2: Yeah, I'm so glad you kept your word. See, it's not so bad, right?
3: Uh, no, it never is.
2: Doesn't hurt. Not like pulling teeth.
3: Exactly. And let's not even go there. Oh my, yes.
2: So, <laughs> thank you, Dave, for, for calling in, and, and I'll talk to you very soon here.
3: Yep, it sounds great, and you have a good weekend and a great show today, by the way. Uh,
2: Thank you very much, Dave. Uh, I'll see you on the flip side.
3: Have a good one. Good night. Cheers.
2: And that was Dave, long-time listener, first-time caller. So yes, lots of news to talk about, of course. As you know by now, North Korea has has been uh, working rather hard to try and take out targets here in the United States. Experts have said they could threaten Los Angeles chicago and new york i don't like the sound of that at all so much more i could get into but of course looking at that time and we are out of time here i do want to thank all of you out there again for being here with me if you enjoy this program i want you all out there to try and help out if you can go to michaeldeacon.com and donate a dollar or two the choice is yours This program completely depends on its listeners. That of course means you sitting there. Tell a friend. And of course, I'll be back next week. I'm Michael Deacon. Thanks for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place. And life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night everybody. (laughs)
1: Stop out okay. <laughs> mentioned the Illuminati, and we won't go into it, because you're behind me, but the Illuminati certainly isn't part of the whole thing. The top members of the Illuminati are open worshipers I could tell oh, I that people. all the mainstream media outlets
0: were giving me like bullshit. If you see fall it, fall it's fall clear. Fall. How appropriate. I wish I could be in that
2: ring with Holden right now. It's crazy. I had no idea this shit existed before 1760.
0: Oh, a granny. I'm not like a granny. I'm a TV real. A
1: lot of good content. A lot
3: of, a lot of cool topic. You know, I, yeah, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity. Speaking you yeah, know,
2: this is Rusev. That shit, I'm I like that, man. It's the simplest shit. You go in there, you see the bus, there you say, and like, you to them. You're talking them. You know, you can die about midnight. That's what I want. Just for what it's worth, I want to put in my two cents to tell you, you they're 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 yet, they're sure. that i have not going to the most incredibly well rounded show. Introducing don't the don't
0: greatest learn. tag team on the radio. Guess what, <laughs> Successfully, at least. But
2: a change of plans. we got a to harvest today. I'm going to need all hands on deck, boys. Today? Yeah, like right now. I can't see it, man. I got a two hour corporate gig booked in the T box. Plus, phones got to get fixed. I got cards that need to be programmed.
1: Shit's too tight. It's impossible. It's impossible. Impossible. I'll give you a half pound of weed. Done. Rock pop. Let's roll. Mr. Green, hold shit down here, man. Hold it down. What happened to impossible? Shit, a half a pound of weed to move mountains. You know what it is. All right, seat down at the rink, man.